This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 107. I'm Nick Howell. And as much a closet mariner as Nick is a closet Nia Jaxer, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, (laughs) and welcome, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, Nick. We had a week of wrestling of the graps this week. Uh, I have to say, I'm looking forward to tearing apart Raw this week. Possibly one of the worst Raws in recent memory. Uh, definitely since WrestleMania, at least. It was, it was, oh yeah, god awful. And I can't wait to, to tear it apart with you. Uh, but that being said, then SmackDown was actually pretty good. There's a lot of stuff good going on over there that was good. Plus, we have to talk about NXT, 205 Live, New Japan, so much more to talk about, lots of stuff to cover on this show, and I'm looking forward to getting into it with you after we do a little housekeeping. Yes, as always, we have to kick things off by welcoming everyone to our Facebook discussion group. Just search Facebook for Busted Wide Open. Send us a join request, and we will get you in there for lots of good times. Weekly discussion threads on the WWE main shows every single week, and uh, it's a very lively, lively group of fans of the Busted Wide Open podcast, but I do say so myself. You can also follow us over on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. Don't forget to hit that little notification bell so you get alerted anytime we go live or, which is very soon. Oh, I can't. We're going we're gonna to go I've, live I've been again. saying very soon for a long time, but I promise it's going to be very soon. We're going to go live, Nick. It's we we made one step further this week, and I will, I will just tease you guys with that. <laughs> Uh, and last but certainly not least, if you love what we do and want to support this show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO, sign up for one of our amazing reward tiers where you can get more intimately involved with the show, specifically certain and Dangerous. But you can get access to listener questions, uh, every week's show notes, all kinds of good stuff, special bonus episodes, etc., etc. But Ian, I got to tell you, man, all that stuff you rattled off previously, I am most interested in one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, or TLC for short. We are on that road. I'd be more excited if the theme song didn't make me want to stab myself in the ears with a screwdriver every time I heard it. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, we could have got another Bring Me the Horizon song. I mean, I, I will, guess that would still be better. I would actually... I, 
purchase with my own money a Bring Me Horizon Bring Me the Horizon album. I don't even know the name of that band. I would purchase one of those albums with my own money if you could promise to me I would never hear the TLC theme song that they have for this year again. That's how much I hate it. Come on, man. You don't like trap music? Is that that's is that, not even trap? That's not even not? trap music. No, it's just it's just garbage. I I hate it. It's 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 like sub Pepsi commercial. Uh, but at, but on the upside, the matches are actually shaping up to be pretty good. I'm actually the stuff that we know of already. Like it's looking like it's going to be a pretty good pay per view. Uh, but the question is, will the feuds hold up until then? And that's the question. Mm-hmm. Like we got, we still have a little bit longer to, to go to get there. And some of these feuds, I'm like, I'm already getting a little bit exhausted with. So we have to talk about that, plus everything else that I just mentioned, mixed match challenge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lots more stuff. But before we can talk about all that, we have to talk about, and I'm ready to destroy, Monday Night Raw. Well, as you said at the top, was, was this, was, this is easily, in my opinion, the worst Raw I've seen all year. Easily. No question, no contest. A hot garbage. Yeah. I fell asleep three... It took me three to four sittings to get all the way through... The one and a half, the one the, and a half the hour. The Hulu 90-minute version. Like, I didn't, even, I didn't even try to do the live one like some of you troopers out there. Like, I no like commercials, I nothing. 90-minute... I, I, three to four times sittings it took me to get through this god-awful episode of one of my favorite programs of all time. I, and I don't even know where to begin other than to just try to walk through it chronologically. But, I mean, uh, you know, weigh in on this for me. Where do you rank this as just, is this hot garbage? Is this is there any saving this show yet? We have had some bad raws recently. And, again, like uh, the metric that I'm looking at this is not necessarily that it's got, uh, you know, segments that are bad or that they're trying stuff that doesn't work. Uh, in terms of you know creative, it's it's bad in that it's boring. Like I, I can give you a pass if you're trying something and it doesn't work. Um, like one of the worst segments I thought on the show, which we'll discuss, was the Drake Maverick bit on the show. Oh, I thought that God. was that was one of my least favorite parts. But I would have forgiven it if they were trying something with it. It didn't actually benefit anything. It didn't work to anything's benefit. Uh, it wasn't enhancing a feud. It wasn't enhancing a character. It wasn't trying to get anyone any significant heat. It was just a potty joke. Um, and the the most egregious part of the show was that it was boring. It was boring, and it didn't make anyone look really that good. And there's very few people. I'm looking down my notes here. Almost no one looked better or more exciting coming out of the show. And I was I was not any more excited for any coming feuds or any of this action going on after watching the show. And that is the metric that I, I think it really failed at. Yeah. And looking at it from that perspective, no, this was one of the worst raws in recent memory and definitely of the year. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was a travesty <laughs> in general. It also felt overly scripted, like all of the yeah. segments and all of the promos just cringy, just even Barron's to open the show. Lots feed, of cringe, which is not normal for him. He's usually very good on the stick, but I, I, well, usually his cringiness uh, plays into his character, and and yeah. you know he kind of came and went on that. Sometimes it was, sometimes he was enjoyably obnoxious, and other times he was just not fun at all. And it just oh sh- no, sh- quiet, honey. Uh, but you know there was there was a lot on the show to to roll your eyes at, and unfortunately, they given the talent that they have, 
And frankly, given some of the angles that they're working on right now, that shouldn't be the case. No. You, you, they, they shouldn't be having that problem right now. Right. So it, it's really, I don't know, it's, it's frustrating. But yes, to, to really discuss it, we do have to break it down. Uh, so let's start with the beginning of the show, and that was the... So here's a, here's a funny thing. We kind of predicted this. We saw it coming uh, as it was sort of a logical story progression. And it's not... They weren't wrong to do this, was to have all of the major heels standing in the ring together saying, hey, so the monster's gone, we're going to run wild. And you had Corbin Lashley and McIntyre all standing in the ring at the top of the show, Corbin bragging about how he took out Braun Strowman and how their match at TLC, uh, Strowman wasn't going to be able to show up, and so he was going to become the permanent general manager. And uh, you know, Lashley looking, Lashley now has officially turned into this new character, which he's calling the Almighty, the Almighty, or the Almighty Bobby Lashley. Ah, ah, ah. This is the one thing I will defend on Monday Night Raw. I like the almighty Bobby Lashley because it's really reminding me a lot of his TNA guy. He needs to stop with the whole gluteal Maximus showing off stupid Vince That's McMahon fair. stuff. I, I'll grant you that. But the he, reminder of the days of yore is, is sure. But I'll he's, grant you that. Uh, he's great as a cocky, a-hole heel character. He's great at this character, and so I love his mannerisms a lot more. It, it reads a lot clearer for him. And in the, the, the physicality, he had a match with Elias after this segment, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, I liked his physicality in this match a lot more and some of the stuff he was doing as a cocky heel than as like f- scary smile Bobby Lashley, which we had recently. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm as, as things to look at on the bright side. I, I like looking at things that I like about the product, especially in the midst of such garbage as Monday Night Raw was this week. I liked Lashley. I did. I, I, I even think that the whole Leo Rush thing works because he's so obnoxious that it, it works. And I do. I, well, the whole, I mean, you mentioned Elias. Yes. Let, let's talk about Elias because I think th- we knew what to expect with those three well, hold going on. into this. Okay. Before we get to Elias, we need to get to your boy, Braun Strowman, because we had him in the hospital with the same makeup oh, on, his, on his elbow that Becky Lynch had on her face last week. Right. <laughs> and and, 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 and uh, acting that I would have credited to Hulk Hogan had I not known it was Braun Strowman for how painful his arm was, the way he was selling his, his poor broken elbow. Uh, but he was basically saying, oh, I'm going to come back and you're going to get these hands. Ow, ow, ow. Uh, so, yeah, obviously they, they overdid how, how extreme Strowman's injury was. Um, I expect him back by TLC. I don't know about you. Obviously. I would have loved it if he had been on like the operating table under the 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 tablecloth they lay over you, and all of a sudden his eyes just open and he starts cutting a promo while they're operating on him. <laughs> you know, if we're gonna do some crazy dog shit reachy things, I mean, just go all in with it and do something well, stupid like that. Don't just slap a bunch of makeup on his elbow. If this were if this weren't the PG era, that would be great. Like with like little flecks of blood splattering in his face while they're cutting into his arm. He's like, oh, I don't even feel it. That would yeah. be that. <laughs> that would have been fun, but yeah, no. This was, uh, yeah. Again, this didn't really, uh, it, it didn't do anything for me. It was just kind of boring. It was him, you know, cutting a weak promo about how he was coming back, and then Corbin and the boys gloating, and then being interrupted by Elias. The lights cut, and as you said, let's talk about Elias because then he came out, and we got a, our first really clear, good look. At face Elias, uh, how how he would adjust his gimmick 
to being a face. What did you think about what he did here? Um, I mean, it was against all odds kind of facey thing. You know, you've got all three of the guys, but the match was technically against McIntyre, wasn't it? Lashley. It was against Lashley. I can, I'm glad you were paying attention to Raw. <laughs> No, I, I honestly didn't remember like which of the guys were actually legitimately fighting Elias because all three of them were involved in it throughout the entire match. Right. So no, it, was, it, it was really it was hard. It, it was just combi- discombobulated to try and understand. I thought I was watching like a three-on-one handicap match. It might as well have been. Well, and that was kind of the point because as we said, you know, now that Braun's gone, the three heels are going to run wild on Raw with Corbin as the the interim general manager. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so they're basically throwing their weight around. And again, as soon as Elias gets a, a, a little bit, you know, a little bit of an edge on Lashley, Corbin makes it a no DQ match and then they all kick the crap out of Elias. Right. I was more thinking, what do you think about his presentation? Uh, that's all okay. Standard stuff. It's fine. What did you think about? So I, I personally was confused as to why they made Elias a face. And this was my first really good look at because I was like, how do you how are you going to make his gimmick, which is that he's not that great of a performer, but thinks he is. How are you going to make that work for a face? And so in his bit at the top of the ramp before he came down to get beat up by the three big heels was essentially doing his standard bit, but playing the guitar a little bit better, I would argue, you know, soloing a little bit more, but then putting in a very kind of catchy bit where he starts singing about how awful Bobby Lashley is and he gets the audience to sing along with him. So now he's doing stuff that that plays more into, you know, audience participation and, you know, fun sing-alongs and that kind of stuff. Rather than insulting the city's sports teams. Right, which cheap heat, fine, but now yeah. he's going for, you know, cheap pops. Um do you think that's going to work in the long term or is this is is this just kind of awkward is it just is it is it is it just me who feels weird about this or will we get used to this kind of Elias will this actually grow on us I, I think I'm going to get used to this about as much as I am Bobby Roode's current status in the oh, industry oh. I, I don't like this at all they were on such a ride uh, with Elias as a heel with his gimmick it was working they've spent a year, better part of a year getting the crowd participation up with the walk with Elias chant when he says I just the trigger of I just have one question for everyone here tonight but that was a face reaction when in the middle of the heel promo which I, is the weird thing I agree but then he would turn it around and silence your cell phones shut your mouths and yeah. maybe throw in a dig or two at the city he was in very Miz like very just traditional Alexa heel Bliss. Kind of yeah cheap heel stuff. stuff yeah so I, I'm I dig that because it makes me go oh and slap my knee and snort a little bit and I think it's hilarious, but but I I have to be realistic about where creative is right now in general of Raw they are swimming in heels, and with Braun being out with Roman being out two of your biggest guys that were faces, uh forgetting that stupid heel thing that Braun did this summer or in the last few months, those are two of your biggest faces and who's left. Nobody. So you had to do something. You were kind of against, had your back against the wall with the amount of heels that you were working with. And I think Elias is a good choice. I think he can pull that off. I'm happy that he's getting some time in the ring at the quasi top of the card. I'll do air quotes. But, you know, it was kind of embarrassing to watch him just get thrown around like a rag doll for 15 minutes. But that was the point. He's occupying, and we actually had, so we had two matches. We had the, the three heels have two matches that Corbin set up. Um, one was Elias here coming out and interrupting them and having a match with Lashley. Later in the show, we had a match 
with Finn versus Corbin. Finn, it's at, a, at one point in the show, had a promo saying he was sick of Corbin throwing his weight around. He was going to stand up for what's right. Rah, rah, rah. Uh, and we had a match, Finn and Corbin, which we've never seen before. And I, I thought it was a very original match to have booked. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. We had it all summer. Anyway. Um, and but, the demon put him down in 10 seconds. I thought we were done with this. I, Come on, we guys. Should have, we should have been. But th- yeah. th- the point is, is that Finn also occupies that same level. Right below uh, Seth Rollins, right below Roman Reigns, the top of the card. Like these are, it's the Ricky the Dragon steamboat. It's the Jake the Snake Roberts. You know the the top, top, top of the mid card, just below Brutus Bar- Barber Beefcake, below Hulk Hogan, below Macho Man. Right. It's the yeah. next guys below that, and that's where Elias is now positioned. Uh, at least this week, right up there with Finn, which. I again, it's just weird to me. Now, it's not to say that he can't alter his gimmick, and because here's the thing: I think it's got a limited shelf space or shelf life. Excuse me, as as a face, as a heel too. It was going to get stale at some point eventually too. Um, but there's there's always another sports team to rag on. Uh, but as a face, like the only person I can think of who graduated from a musical gimmick to being something was John Cena. And obviously that's a pretty good comparison to make because everyone wants to have a John Cena career. Just not everyone can. And I don't, but I just don't know that Elias's character has that kind of mobility where it can do that. It can go from being a music character or comedy character or bit character, you know, a a very specific gimmick to being something legitimate. Does that make sense? I'll I'll throw one more thing in there. And and the only reason I thought of it is because you brought up Cena. Cena is one of those, uh, similar to Stone Cold, similar to The Rock, that have very poppy entrances when they interrupt somebody. How are you going to build something on that with a big face personality if you really want to do this long term with a light dim and a guitar strum? Uh, I, obviously, things can be tweaked with his entrance, but right now sure. that strum that strum gets a huge pop in the darkness. It goes to darkness all of a sudden. He, you know, he plays. I think, it's ladies e and mi- gentlemen, Elias you know, E minor up upswing. You know, and all yeah. of a sudden, everyone goes, "Yeah, we know who this is." You know, and it is so. There's there are argument to be made there, but I, I am still very confused about face Elias. We will see how this experiment goes. Uh, I did mention we also had Finn versus Corbin, uh, which great. I don't know. So here's the thing: Did they actually pull this match? Because I thought this was one of their better matches as far as how they worked together. And I thought sure, until that, it turned into a fucking ass whooping, excuse me, an ass whooping <laughs> all over again with Finn and they're teeing him up to for Baron to have the end of days. Yeah, everybody does. Basically, Finn ends up being target practice for all of them to execute their finishing moves on. Come on, guys. Yeah, but no, it was. This, well, but that was the, the so the point of this show was, uh, hey, there's a couple of good guys still left, you know, that aren't Seth Rollins and that's Elias and Finn. And Braun's off rehabbing, so the heels are going to run wild and, and beat up people. That was that was the point of the show. The problem was it's lazy booking. It's boring. Do something like your pro, like your problem. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that they did it again. Not that they did it right because it's the right idea. You want to have the heels look like they're taking over the show while Braun's gone. Or they didn't paint it on thick enough that that's what they were doing. Well, and if, also if they had we made have a no reason statement about that's tonight. Braun's gone, Roman's gone, Stephanie's not here. This is my show. We are gonna we're gonna run 
rampant on everybody. If they had come out and made a bold, just stamp statement like that, and then done some of the things that, like what they did with Elias well, and what they did with Finn, I'm, I'm okay. I'll come along for the ride. Counterpoint: They kind of did. Corbin did kind of say that at the top of the show. He he hinted at that. the The problem is, you know, McIntyre has now been in how many? stables you know iterations of a different stable him and ziggler him and ziggler and stroman and him and there's no reason for these three guys to be to be together other than they're bad guys right <laughs> yeah why else Ooh, are they, why are they scary bad guys. we're spook we're we're big mean guys we don't like you there's no other reason for them to be working together maybe you know oh power and numbers or something but they, that was that was never explained you know what i mean that aspect of it Never and, and and because of that, we just don't there's no motivation for these guys to all be beating up people like Elias and Finn. You know what I mean? Other than, well, they're plucky underdog baby faces and they might be able to beat one of us individually, but altogether we can beat them up. Well, that's frankly, that's boring as hell. Sure, bring and that's out, lazy if you're gonna writing. do that, bring out some shitty jobbers and and have them te- just tee them up for McIntyre and Lashley. Exactly. That would have been and maybe have Finn and Elias come in and save the the lower ranking jobbers, the the local jobbers. And make that's- them look more like heroic baby faces, which you're trying to get your people over. That's how you get them over. You don't make them yes. look like jabronis and you know, and feed them to these bigger guys just to try and get one guy over when he comes back when he's already over in Braun Strowman. <sighs> Moving on, why is exactly. Ziggler? Why is Ziggler not a part? So what I was just saying about the faction here, right? Why is Ziggler not a part of this faction? If if all the heels are trying to get their, you know, get, get some love from Corbin, why is Ziggler not a part of it? Instead, uh, Drew Drew sent him a text a text message breakup. I guess. I, yeah, yeah I've 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 fallen in love with another. <laughs> I've fallen in love with someone who's you know not six foot and can actually win a match. Correct. Um. So I'll tell you what happened to Ziggler. But to do that, I have to explain what happened with Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins this week has said that uh, he's not dealing with Dean right now. We'll talk about Dean in a second because I got things to bitch about there. But uh, instead of having uh, Seth deal with Dean this week, Dean was not at the arena. Actually, screw it. We'll deal with we'll deal with Dean right now. Dean was not at the arena because he was busy being a hypochondriac in a doctor's office somewhere because apparently his new gimmick is that he's so worried that the fans are diseased that he has to get immunized to all the possible diseases he might get from the fans. And he has, the doctor was in this office, quote-unquote office, giving him shots in the arm and in the butt while Dean was saying that uh, Seth is the one who is sick and all his fans are disgusting and are going to give him rabies and dysentery and all this other crap. What are they doing to the Dean Ambrose character here? What is the logic behind this gimmick change? I There's part of me that liked the craziness of him getting like every possible immunization ever and then using it to kind of poke at the WWE universe. But I agree with you. This is not the way you needed to build this character. This is not the continuation of the, the turn that you've done already. Murder, death, kill Dean, as you've tagged him so so eloquently. This is the guy that needs to be out just beating the absolute hell out of people, not being a chicken shit about what disease the audience has. Thank you. It's 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 <sighs> come on, guys. That's going to be a running theme for me this episode. Come, come on, on, guys. Come on. You have it made in the shade with Dean Ambrose. If you just make him the kind of guy you can be scary of, he yes. has the potential to be a scary guy. 
Keep I, bringing him out in wife beaters and taping his hands up. You know, just he looks like a street brawler you'd find out behind a bar whooping the shit out of some drunk dude. You can have him do PG scary stuff like banging his head into a garage door or punching himself in the face or whatever. You know what I mean? Like this is this reminding me of the same feud Seth and Dean only inverted when Seth had the money in the bank briefcase and Dean was coming out and squirting people with with mustard. And I said this last yeah. week, yeah. where you had the opportunity to make Dean this unhinged guy who just did stuff off the cuff and whatever he did was completely wild and unpredictable. But instead it becomes a Saturday morning cartoon of, of the wild and crazy guy, you know, and it's, it's much more effective. If, if you want to play to the kitties, that's fine. You can still play to the kitties and have them enjoy a truly psychotic character, you know, without having the blood and guts and, you know, real actual psychosis and real actual, danger you know like it's i mean i'd love to see him come out like sandman and just bust himself open every before every single match obviously you know, before yes. he even gets in right but 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 pg saturday morning cartoons I we're, get not, we're not going to get czw jigsaw dean ambrose <laughs> yes. in in wwe i understand that but you can have it's going to make a better feud with seth who right now is one of the best baby faces they have in the company organically if you have a heel who is truly dastardly not one that's kind of a joke and between last week where it's hide and go seek in the backstage of Raw and this week where it's like, ha, I'm a hypochondriac. You know, I- I'm scared of the germs. Germs. You can't find me. No, germs. 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 Ah, my favorite Invader Zim episode. I, it, it made no sense to me. It made me insane. But anyway, Dean was not in the ring or in the arena. Thank God it was over after this stupid segment. Instead, Seth gave an intercontinental title open challenge, which I was immediately excited about. Open challenge. It could be anybody. Is it Alistair Black? Is it Keith Lee? Is it even someone who's on the roster who needs a, a bit of shine like like Chad Gable? No, it's Dolph freaking Ziggler because we've never Again. seen that before. Right. Again, Dolph Ziggler. To their credit. It was a really good match, and they actually it always is. It got the audience back in. It's just, this is not Cena Orton. This is not Orton Sheamus. This yep. is the, the, these two guys always put on a baller match. It's a it's a good match, and it did end up getting the crowd back into it. But that crowd was they. It was like they got gut punched when that record scratch hit, and Z- and Ziggler came out. They all kind of went oh, and I did too. I was like oh come on, exactly come on guys. What to what end? What is the point of having Ziggler come out on this? Their feud is done, and once and Seth pinned him again clean. By the way, he pinned him clean after a non finisher finish. He gave him the the uh, superplexed into the Falcon Arrow combo and pinned him after some good back and forth false finish sequences. Fine, but he didn't even have to stomp him to put out Ziggler Damn. here. He beat Ziggler on a non-finisher, which... And this is after he kicked out of all of Ziggler's stuff. The zigzag, the famouser, the DDT, just everything kicks out of it and then I've, hits him with the superplex Falcon Arrow combo. And yeah. I, I... Okay. I Here's the thing. I would like more non-finisher finishes, and I would like finishers to be finishers. But unless you're going to do it across the board, this just makes Ziggler look like crap. Yep, and especially with Ziggler not with the other three big heels on the brand right now, and not they're not coming out to interfere to help him, so he's not associated with them, which makes him look like an idiot. Like, why are these guys not helping him out? Why is he not getting this hookup from Baron Corbin at the same time these other guys are? It's crazy. I, I so I got to be honest. I halfway expected Drew McIntyre to come out to accept the open challenge. 
And, and that was, you know, just to have them run rampant, right. continue to do three. that throughout the show. Yeah. That would have made more sense. That know. would have made more sense. WWE, call me. I'm, I'm available. Well, we know they listen to the show, so. Yeah, absolutely. In the so, future, guys. Don't come steal on. our ideas. Or absolutely. Pl- no, please please never put. Please steal our ideas. <laughs> never put on a Raw this bad again. You're, you, I give you, you. This this is fully Creative Commons license. Just attribute the Busted Wide Open podcast. And you heard it here. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> speaking. Okay, so while. Uh, we promise, guys, this episode of our show will get more positive at some point. But in the We're meantime, getting the bad stuff out of the way first. We got to get through Raw here. And it's. And. We're about to get to a segment that everyone enjoys, and that is the weekly rundown on Nia Jax by your boy, <laughs> Nick Howell. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> Come on, guys. All right, it's Nia Jax time. The tag division and the women's division is in shambles on Raw right now. I can think of no better way to say that it is in. They're both in shambles. As, as incredibly hot and and as much as the tag division the, excuse me the tag and women's division is working on Smackdown it is they're both atrocities on raw I can think of no better word and that was evidenced by the two women's segments that we had this week and the couple of tag segments we had as well oh all right I'm gonna stretch before yeah, I do I don't this. even have to try anymore they're doing all the work for me uh, you know I, so Nia this, this is so bad Nia Jax Nick's favorite wrestler Came out with Tamina, uh, who has yet to find an expression other than mildly disgusted that she can actually pull off. Uh, they came out and cut promos on Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. And I have to say there were moments here that I, I, I did laugh. Uh, Naya's imitation of Ronda made me laugh. It did. But overall, this was some of the cringiest stuff on a three hours of cringe show. And I can only imagine, Nick, how much you were squirming in your chair during this section. You know, I the disappointing part of like it's 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 expected for me to not like anything that Naya does at this point, right? Of course. Um I just like to, I was I like to have the different colors of, of hate that you have here. Oh, I sure. Get. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, and I can't wait till we're live again so people can actually see your expressions. See oh, my expressions guys, you've to, been, go, you've my emoting to go along with some of this stuff. Oh, you get you get kind of the, the exclusive seat right now. That's why I'm laughing so much whenever you talk about Naya. It's just your, your, your barely contained rage. The, like it, the red I'm in your cheeks. I'm trying to find my words, and it's just they're not coming to me. What I want to talk about most here like is a, not Naya because I don't want to give her the time of day. And to Tamina, whatever. Pink methane talk about steam Ron- coming out of your ears. It's great. <laughs> I want to talk about Rhonda for a minute. Okay. Cause, I, I want to I have a real conversation about Rhonda Rousey. Because she did come out after this after the Nia Jackson Tamina segment to try and re- let, allow me to retort. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, the thing I'll say about Nia is I hate the face breaker thing. I think it's dumb. I think it's the most effing dumb thing that they've done in a really long time. It's super cheap. It's very Uncle Vince kind of, you yeah. know, kind of tactics sure. and, and it making a hashtag out of it and making not just Becky, not just Charlotte, not just Rhonda. They're making all of the women talk about this face breaker thing. Anytime they're saying anything or talking to Nia Jax, right? It it's mm, from, a, from a business, anyway, from a business standpoint, it makes all kinds of sense. I don't know. <laughs> I dug it. Oh, I'm so glad you're in Carolina. Cause I might've taken a back. <laughs> A, a backhand I would have climbed head. across that desk. 
<laughs> taking my white glove off and backhanded uh, you. Uh, so I thought you were going to talk about Ronda Rousey, not not hashtag. I'm trying to hashtag facebreaker. <laughs> anyway, I had to get that out about Nia. Okay, Rousey. Uh, I have come around on Ronda Rousey quite a bit. Yes, uh, in the past month or so, as you guys have heard, what happened here? Uh, because this was, it's like somebody as she was coming out of gorilla through the curtain. No, no, read this instead. Yes. And she had three seconds and it just, it just felt way, like I said at the beginning of the show, overly scripted, even Nia shit. I mean, it always sounds scripted, right. but she was just with the Valley girl vocal fry thing going on as well. That just doesn't help. But Rhonda typically is a decent promo. And I just felt oh, like she's gotten what better. happened here. But Rhonda has gotten to be a better promo. But let's face it, the most controversial stuff that Rhonda's done recently has been in her promos. The whole like avocado toast millennial thing. People are still salty about that. They're like, what was that, Rhonda? Yeah, you running around calling yourself the man when I, I didn't work all that time to become to, 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 to what put, is it? fight like fight a girl like a on girl. the map. Yeah. yeah. That that part was fine. It was the attacking. I love that stuff. It, was, it was the attacking the millennials. That was like, wait, Becky's your age, dude. What the hell? Um. Anyway, hey Ian, I have a I have a, co- a comment for you. Since I've left California, nobody else eats avocado on toast outside of California. Because none of y'all have good avocados, you- by the way. That's true. Only we it's have like good avocados. mayonnaise for California. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I'm, we're not in Wisconsin here in California. We don't have as much cheese and everything. <laughs> What's your point? Anyway, the, right. the bottom line is is that Rhonda bungled her first couple of lines. And we do know from backstage reports that she is writing her own promos, or at least heavily handed in her own promos, which is good. It's a smart idea to get her to have them sound more like her. Unfortunately, she's still... Well, you can tell when she shifts gears from let me go on off the cuff and like kind of improving to these are the lines that I wrote down. That being said, when she really shifts into high gear with those lines... They do sound good. The problem is, is that yep. the transition is awkward. And here it seemed like she forgot some of her lines. And and some of her lines, I will say, are so specific. And they're so... Um, I'm trying to think of the word for it. But they're, they're very evocative. And if you say them out of order, then you lose the logic behind what she's trying to say. And that's what happened here, where... She said stuff, and you were just like, "Wait, what? What are you trying to say?" You couldn't quite parse it together. <laughs> but then by the right. but then by the end, she got back into rah rah. I'm gonna kick your butt mode, and it made more sense. And it she, I think she stuck the landing, but yeah, the entry was rough. <laughs> yeah. But the whole problem was that the whole segment was not good. And then for some reason, this didn't make sense either. Uh, Naya and she were talking, and and then Naya was like, "Well, I'm not really." out here to challenge you. I think Rhonda was like, uh, uh, Rhonda said, I'll take you on right now. And Naya says, well, I'm not here to take you on. I'm here to stall for time. At which point Tamina was like, oh, that's my cue and gets behind Rhonda <laughs> at that point. It's like, what? that's the worst attack from the back I've ever seen, guys. You guys are idiots. But then as Rhonda is now surrounded by these two ladies, Natalia's music hits and she comes running to the ring and gets ambushed by the riot squad. And then Naya, uh, uh, Rhonda jumps out of the ring because neither Naya nor Tamina jump her for some reason. And Rhonda saves Natalia from the riot squad, chases them off. And I was just sitting there going, what? What, does, what even is this? What does any of this mean? Why are the riot squad and Natalia still feuding? What is their? They broke her dad's glasses. What? And that was it. Why are they now involved with Rhonda? Natalia and Rhonda are friends again. Why didn't Tamina and Naya attack Rhonda when they had the chance? What is 
actually going on here? I, I'm, we're going to have to pause and I'm going to have to go take some Excedrin or something. I'm kidding. But it, it's just, this is so bad. It's literally making my head hurt. Yeah. And it wasn't just us. I would love to say Monday it was that I, maybe I missed something. The crowd in the arena, every face I saw was just sitting there going, what? What? No one got this. And no one, and something that people didn't get anymore was the Bailey and Sasha Banks segment. So earlier on in the show, Alexa Bliss gets put in charge of the entire women's division by, Bar- by Baron Corbin. Baron says, I have too much to deal with, with on this show. I can't handle the women as well. So Alexa, I'm going to make you the, the head of the women's division, essentially the women's GM. And you can do what you want. Well, let's talk about that separately before we get to the Bailey and Sasha stuff. Where are you on Ale- this divide and conquer of Alexa Bliss and Baron Corbin? Fine. I'm fine with it. I like Alexa as an authority figure. She's, she's fun. She fits the role. She looks the part. Uh, and like I said, you know, if, she, if she's not ever clear to wrestle again, that could be a really good future for her is, is doing some sort of heel uh, manager or, or authority figure angle. Fine with that. Yeah. I'm even fine with the way that she came back into Sasha and, and Bailey's locker room was like, look, guys, we're going to have a segment in the ring with you two where we're going to have question and answers from the fans. And I love the, the, the fact that Bailey called out. This isn't another one of those. This is your life moments, is it? Because I'm not doing those anymore. That was the single best part of the show was when Bailey said that. <laughs> yep. That is some great meta self-aware stuff right there. That was funny. Uh, but. Unfortunately, this segment ended up being very similar to that because you had Sasha and Bailey come out and sit awkwardly in the chairs in the middle of the ring. You had one planted audience member ask a stupid question, which neither of them could answer well. And then for no freaking reason, you had Mickey James, Dana Brooke, and Alicia Fox jump them. Wait, why, why is Dana Brooke out there? She, so we're going to talk about Starcade later on on the show here. She was a full-on face at Starcade, teaming up with Ember Moon, Bailey, and Sasha. Now, right. all of a sudden, she's a full-on heel. I, Come on, guys. What the heck? She's been hanging out with Big Show too long? I don't know. I don't, and I don't know. What the, the, the surprise attack didn't make any sense. What? This is Alexa's master plan? I'm going to have you guys come out for an awful segment and then, for no reason, just have a, a, a whole bunch of other ladies attack you? What? Dum, 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 dum. I mean, just the, these are two of the best women's wrestlers you have. What are you doing? This is what they reduced them to. What are you doing? Over the last two, three years. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, it doesn't get any better, guys. It does not get any better. No, we still have a couple more now things. Now we get to the, we get to the height. We get to the height of the, uh, the, yes. the, the debauchery. Let's, let's talk Which about it. I want to I wanna preface by saying, had they not done the big show choking pee things ringside at Survivor Series, I probably would have been okay with this and frankly kind of liked it. Okay, so let me, let me say what you're talking about here. We had a match between yep. AOP and uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable for the belts this time. Last week, Gable and Roode won on a surprise roll-up. This week... Drake Maverick vowed revenge. We have the match. And during the match, Drake Maverick stole Bobby Roode's quote-unquote $10,000 robe. I don't know. I didn't know that he was sewing gold into the lining. but he takes that like Jericho's $10,000 jacket? $15,000 jacket. At least that, at least that thing lit up. I could believe that it was Roots. manufactured to be $15,000. But whatever. This, that's an old, this is an old gorgeous George Ric Flair thing, the robe being ridiculously yeah. expensive, handmade by grandmas in the Sudan from Sri Lankan silk or whatever. 
Bottom line is, Drake Maverick took the robe to the back, was wearing it in the bathroom, adoringly looking at himself in the mirror before taking it off, throwing it into the toilet, and peeing on it. And we have a nice shot through his legs of the pee hitting the robe, which distracts Gable and Rude enough for AOP to pick up the victory. Where to start with the layers of hate that I have for this entire segment? I'm going to let you go. I said what I wanted to say at the at the beginning before you ran it down, so you go. And I will I will actually give the caveat as well that had this been just a heel move where he takes something and pees on it, I could have seen that as being a really dastardly heel move too. But as you said, because this is a running joke now with P and Drake Maverick after he peed himself because the big show almost killed him at uh, at Survivor Series. So it's an ongoing joke. Everyone's making fun of Drake Maverick and how he peed his pants. And now Drake says, oh, you're going to make fun of me? Well, I'm just going to pee on this. So it's all pee, 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 pee. This is the top of the tag division. This is not like a secondary or tertiary feud where I could have blown this off. This is the top of your tag division, and this is how seriously you're taking it. This is how much you want us to pay attention to the match, is that for most of the match, we're watching a small man in a blue robe peeing and not watching two of the... Four of four very talented wrestlers, two incredibly talented singles wrestlers, and one really exciting tag team, reduced to pee jokes. I, I, this is you know how you are with Nia Jax with the with the pink methane steam out of your ears. This is that's me right now with this. With the tag division has been an ongoing thorn in my side on Raw, and how infuriated I am. Almost this entire year, it's been the, like this. We're shit. going back to like two thousand five, two thousand six, dumb jokes. For, for bits, for segments, instead of this. I, look, I don't care if you want, don't want to make this specifically about the wrestling and you want to have something going on outside of it. This is just several layers of dumb below that. I agree with you in the sense that if this had been something like Fashion Police and Ascension goofing off backstage or whatever, we should be seeing AOP revival and sure, throw Gable and Rude in there, but having some legit tag matches. Why, why is the last time we see that was you got to go back to like the B team fighting something and that's even questionable. See, here's the right? thing. Yeah, if, if this and even with your example of the fashion police and Ascension and all of that, that was actually I would argue it was silly, but it was smartly satirical. This is just dumb, yes. literally toilet humor and fine. It has its place. There's been Will Ferrell movies that I crack up at where they have toilet humor. Fine. It has its place and its place is not in the tag belt feud not the top of the card you don't make the top thing a comedy uh bit you know what i mean we were talking about comedy last week comedy in wrestling has its place and you here's the thing is anytime that past a certain point that you use comedy in a setting like this if you use it at the top of your card it makes the top of your card and the belts it's associated with mean less and look like less it's one of the biggest issues we had with kevin owens's long run as universal champion is most of the time he was working a comedy angle with jericho and it was it was a lot of joking around and goofing around and it wasn't one of the first episodes we ever did about comedy in wrestling yeah. like episode one yeah. or two is funny money go all the way back and listen to that one again if you want to throw it's funny is funny money and it is it can be but at the same time like you have to have a, an area an air of seriousness underneath it otherwise you can't take any of it seriously so this is this drove me nuts and and again it's not even that it's comedy it's the type of comedy as well 
Um, I, again, I think it's a time and a place for, for toilet humor, and this was not it. And it, it drives no. me nuts. It makes me crazy. <laughs> it's, I know it's my pers- I, I, I know it's my I, personal I, preference for things. I want it my way. Me. But I, is there anybody out there that says this is what they want at the top of their wrestling division? Is there no. anyone who's watching this? Join our Facebook discussion group and let me know. Is there anyone who is like, no, I like this for the uh, the the tag belt feud. This is I like having a, a little man peeing on things <laughs> as the top of a tag feud. That's at the top of the tag division. That's a, this is a good idea. Please, this is what I this is what I watch Monday Night Raw for every week. Not the re- not the wrestling. No, give me your argument. Give me your salient points as to why this is a good idea. As to why this is what you want to have on this show. I would love to hear them because I I pride myself on seeing both sides of any argument. I can't see what the other side of this argument is. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, let's get out of Monday Night Raw. You got a couple of extra things here uh, that weren't on the Hulu edition that were, you know, equally crap. Oh, let me... But uh, oh, run let, those down for oh, me Oh, hold quick. on. Hold on. Let me tee up again on this tag division, if you will. Lucha House Party once again had a match with Revival under quote-unquote Lucha House rules. By the way, uh, this also made me red-hot pissed off because Lucha House Party ostensibly are the faces. Revival's ostensibly are the heels. Uh, and we're supposed to cheer Lucha House Party when they win in what essentially is a three-on-two match. They don't tag in. Uh, either that or they just bungle a move. I think at one point, Kalisto bungled a move and missed a tag, and then it was just like, ah, who cares? It's Lucha House Party rules. Literally, that's what the commentary said. And the revival just gets completely befuddled by the Lucha House Party and loses again. Uh, I, I, and, and we're supposed to cheer the Lucha House Party afterwards? Yes, lots of big, exciting moves. Aren't they fun watching these guys flip around and everything? But at the same time, why would I cheer guys who just won a, a uneven match against two guys who couldn't keep up because they were outnumbered and there was no all the rules getting thrown out the window? I didn't understand this booking. I didn't understand the logic behind this at all. I I like revival going against Lucha House Party because it goes against everything revival is about. No, no flips, just just kicks, yes. right? I'd, I'd like the the on paper pairing of those two teams and those two principles of lucha wrestling, luchador wrestling versus Same. all of that. What we're getting is not that. Let me tell you how it could work. And uh, for all of the WWE writers who listen to the show, thank you for li- listening to the show and tuning in. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash BWO. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for all, of, for all of you WWE writers who listen to the show, here's how it should be. Here's how it should work. The Revival are a smart, dastardly heel team, and they know that the Lucha House Party technically has them outnumbered. So they're going to do everything that they can to modify the rules and modify the rule books in order to keep their, their advantage. In this particular case, because they know that, you know, this flippy crap, it's kind of like Drew Gulak. They hate, they hate the flippy crap. So they're actually, it should be inverted where the revival are the ones who are twisting the rules to get over on Lucha House Party. And even when they're outnumbered, they're twisting the rules to have it work in their favor. It shouldn't be the other way around where, or, hey, those wacky luchadors are getting one over on these two dumb blockheads who don't know that they can actually do some high spots. You know what I mean? That's not exciting. That's not fun. You want to have the revival look strong so that when Lucha House Party ultimately does start doing this kind of stuff, it pays it off and you're excited to see them finally win. In the meantime, now we're sitting here thinking that revival are just idiots and Lucha House Party are assholes. I've been thinking that for some time, unfortunately. 
Uh, also, are they trying to do with Lucha House Party what uh, new, the, they've seen the success of New Day over on SmackDown, and they're trying to recreate that with Lucha House Party with the threesome? You know, I, I hadn't thought about that. It is possible. The only difference is that New Day gets over on being really funny, smart characters. Like, they're all very smart performers uh, to the point that one of them has a PhD, for God's sake. Uh, and Lucha House Party are just fantastic wrestlers. So I don't think that the New Day dynamic is applicable at all. Um, Somebody should tell the uh, creative team that. <laughs> well, also, uh, we also had so our, our uh, what has now become a tradition on Monday Night Raw, our Mixed Match Challenge promotion matches. So this, this, uh, this week we had on Mixed Match Challenge, Ember Moon and her Braun Strowman replacement, Kurt Hawkins. You heard me right. If you haven't been keeping up on Mixed Match Challenge, Ember Moon and Braun Strowman were undefeated before Braun went out with a quote-unquote shattered elbow. And to replace him, they did not get the guy I thought they would get, which was Elias. They gave her Kurt Hawkins, the man who has not won in 236 matches in two years. So we can kind of see where the chips are going to fall here. But Ember Moon had a match with Alicia Fox, killed her pretty quickly, uh, gave her a really awesome-looking eclipse, which Alicia sold really well. And afterwards, because Kurt Hawkins was ringside to establish that he was her partner in the next match challenge, he celebrated like he was the B team on acid. And it was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, he was okay. swinging Ember around and like, she was just like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he was like, we won, we won. She's like, you were standing ringside. That part was funny. I enjoyed that. But then out came No Way Jose and his stupid conga line uh, acting like Adam Rose 2.0. To have a match with Jinder Mahal, who was over in Alicia Fox's corner during the whole thing. Jinder Mahal beats No Way Jose pretty cleanly. Uh, whoop the freaking do. Now, all this was to promote Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, who? I, I don't know who I feel worse for, Jinder Mahal or No Way Jose at this point. Uh, does, Jinder Mahal had that massive push, and now he's back down here. I mean, at least he beat No Way Jose. Jinder but. Mahal was the biggest thing in 2017. Oh, God. That says a lot about 2017. Uh, okay. But, I mean, to the to, yes, there was the big India push, the shows and the presence over there, and I get all that. Sure, on paper, fine. Business is business. What's best for business? Blah, blah, blah. But at a certain point, you establish him to be at a certain level. Why is he coming out now with this Shanti? Why, I mean, how, why would you do because that? I hope that's a rhetorical You just spent an entire year making this guy out to be an unstoppable badass. He can at least continue to be that. You know, Nick, I have two words for you. Bray Wyatt. Oh, okay. All right. We spent how long making him out to be this spooky force of supernatural, demonic nature, and then we spent three years breaking him down until he was a complete and utter joke. Until we had to take him off of TV due to injury and the fact that his his whole career was essentially his gimmick was dead. So I I, I was hoping that that question was rhetorical because it certainly is not the first nor the last time they've taken someone who gets a huge push, saddled them with an absolutely atrocious gimmick, and watched them fade into obscurity. Bobby Roode. Bye, gender. Uh, so that is it for Monday Night Raw. Thank God, which we spent way too much time on just bitching. But it's time to be positive, Nick. It's time for happiness. Let's move on to the rest of our show, starting with SmackDown Live. He's back. 
<laughs> the man returns and opens up SmackDown Live. Oh, you know what happens when we the man were, comes we around. We were looking, yeah. We were looking forward to this. We were saying last week when we were talking about Charlotte and what she had done to to Ronda, mm-hmm. we're not really going to know how this is going to go down until we hear from the man. And frankly, this was the best case scenario. Yeah. I, I'm really glad that they played it the way that they did. We actually sort of started out with Paige introducing Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch coming out, starting to cut a promo, and then Charlotte coming out. And we had a nice sorority sisters, or submission sorority. Submission sorority uh, reunion in the ring. Sorry, they called it Team PCB. Yeah. But if you remember correctly, it was originally called the Submission Sorority, which they had to not use because it was also the name of a, of a porno website. Um, Hello. How could they not have seen that coming? Right. I don't understand. So anyway, so yeah, Maybe Team, team PCB back or, in the ring. Never mind. I'm, I'm sorry. Nick, where are you going? Um, so this, this whole segment was great. I, I, what a refreshing change from Raw. And I watched them back to back. Uh, I, just this whole segment, I was, I was just like, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh sweet release. Oh, sweet yes. Sweet release. So Lynch, Becky says she's coming right back into it. Uh, she's only being, she's only in doctor's jail for a little bit longer. And um, she wants to have a title. She's going to have a title match at TLC. We had this whole segment where Becky broke down what she liked about what Charlotte did to Ronda Rousey. Now, what she didn't like and what she didn't like was the fact that Charlotte was starting to act too much like her, which was exactly what everyone was complaining about was we were worried that that Charlotte was going to become their Becky Lynch 2.0. Yep. Instead, they doubled down and said, no, 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 no. Becky's going to recognize that. And we're going to have this dynamic difference between Charlotte Flair, the genetic, genetically superior Charlotte Flair. She's going back to the genetically superior Charlotte Flair, which is great. And Becky Lynch, the man. So now we have clearly defined pseudo like they're not really either healer. They're both anti-heroes ish at this point. Charlotte may be a little bit more heelish, but fantastic. That is the dynamic I thought they should go for. Um, you know, it's not a true full turn on Charlotte's part. It's not Becky turning back to being a face. They're keeping Becky as the badass, the man character, and they're keeping Charlotte as genetically superior, vicious Charlotte. Mwah! Love it. Loved every second of it. And love it. I love that Becky even called out the past couple of times where Charlotte has taken her thunder. And they, they made reference to those instances where she snuck in into the triple threat for the title match and uh, all of those things. Oh, no, this is just you trying to steal what's mine all over again. And Charlotte yes, had a good comeback saying, I'm not trying to be you. I'm just being myself, which is a, who's a seven-time champion. Yeah. And the audience was was... Divided here. I was surprised that the audience actually was a little bit behind Charlotte as well, which is a good sign for this feud. Also, I thought, uh, so the next part of this segment, initially I didn't like because I didn't want anyone else involved in this, but all of a sudden all the, all the heels from the women's roster came out and were like, um, hey, so we love that Charlotte's getting put back in the, the front of the line for the championship and all, but we've also had a lot of passion, like Charlotte says she has. We've also had a lot of drive and fire. Why aren't we in the picture for this match at TLC between Charlotte and, 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 and Becky Lynch? And Paige goes, you make a good point. And then all the face women come out and say the same thing. And Paige goes, you all make a good point. I don't... You, you all have shown a lot of drive and, and you all really wanted it. Uh, we'll just have a battle royale. And whoever wins the battle royale will be the third member of this match at TLC. Logic? Stakes? Yes. 
Thank you. I want to say two things. One, I, I actually like the Battle Royale. I wish it would have been for a number one contendership after TLC. Well, so the I reason don't that it wasn't... Want, I, uh, hang on. I understand. Okay. I think I understand where you're going to go, but okay. the reason I... It's too soon. We need right. to let Charlotte and Becky marinate and have their match, and then something after that, but, but we need to keep the focus on them. But the problem is we can't with Becky coming off of a concussion. I get that. It was, origi- it was originally supposed to be if Becky had not been cleared... It would have been Charlotte and the woman who won the Battle Royale later on in the evening, which was a very entertaining Battle Royale, which was Asuka. Asuka who else was the, it going to be? Uh, well, I don't. they could have pulled the trigger on Naomi or something like that. But with how hot Asuka's been, even with how poorly they've managed her character over the last six months, uh, you know, the fact that she still is over as she is speaks to how they've protected enough of her dangerousness. Yeah. And and not, and she has shown how much of a good worker she is. Um, that it of course it was going to be Oscar because of the money involved there. Like, well, geez, we start she, getting down to the money. last four or five women that were in this battle royale, and I'm going, yeah, you're not going to be in a title match. You're not going to be a title <laughs> match. You're not. Gonna, <laughs> it, it, by that point, I was like, yes, yeah, Oscar. Who I mean, who else is it going to be? Yeah, there was a bunch of fun spots in that battle royale. It was it was a good match. Yeah. But of course, Asuka is the, the, we don't need to spend much time on that. It was going to be Asuka versus Charlotte at TLC if Becky could not compete, uh, which I thought would have been a great match too. It was going to be Charlotte, Asuka too. Awesome. Cool. That's I'm a money in. match. Charlotte, Becky, and Asuka in a TLC match at TLC, you have my attention. Yeah. At first you had my curiosity. Now, now you, you have, have my, my attention. attention. <laughs> yeah. And I, I believe that Dave Finley, or Fit Finley is going to be booking it too. So I'm even, or producing it. So hell yeah. Oh boy. Oh yeah, boy. So that's, I'm, I'm, I think this is, so again, SmackDown right off the bat, uh, gives me this great opening segment where I'm now excited about the fact we're going to have a three-way TLC match between two women who just tore the house down at the last time they had a match with all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, various and sundry weapons in it, and then at the end of the show, the you know finishes off with the battle royale, and now Oscar's involved too. <sighs> oh my! Like night and day from what we're doing over on Raw. If you and watch TLC women, for no other reason, watch it I've, for this match. Uh, this match absolutely the sells TLC to me. This match alone, and not only that, but every other woman in this battle royale to some extent, even ones that like went out pretty like Lana. You know what I mean? Everyone had a moment. Everyone had like. Everyone kind of showed their place on the card. Nothing seemed illogical where you were like, that makes no sense why they would go out there. That makes no sense why they would go out like that. It all made sense. I loved Sonya and Asuka working the ring apron uh, at the very end of the match. I, I thought that's the best I had seen Sonya Deville look since she's, come, since she's joined WWE. Well, remember, she had a match with Asuka, and it might have been a tag match a little while back. And every time she and Asuka were in the, were in the ring, it was dynamite because they're, they, they have a good chemistry together. and Their yeah. striking styles work really well together. Um, and I think that, and the audience was hyped for it too when the two of them were, were facing off. I loved like, how Sonya just looked at her and they were facing off across the ring and she just reached back, you know, yep, grabbed the hair and go, all right, let's pull, go. <laughs> put her, put her, and she did what her, she put her hair up and she squared up. Yep. So, yeah, no, that was all very exciting, but that, yeah, very excited for that uh, TLC match. Fantastic stuff. But I also like the fact that SmackDown very casually, had their their top feud was just everything going on in the women's division. It opened the show. It closed the show. It was the most exciting thing on the show. Yeah. Well, we also had a, a pretty cool Jeff Hardy segment, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, 
but Samoa Joe strikes again. So I here's the thing. I will openly admit that I have not been the biggest fan of Jeff Hardy across his career. I I slept on him for a lot of his career. I didn't have much use for him when he was in his really bad drug years because I was really disappointed in him. Um, he never blew me away. He had a cup like the most memorable Jeff Hardy moment that I had outside of the TLC matches was when he uh, had that match against the Undertaker uh, when he when he was American Badass and he almost beat him. And Taker like afterwards raised his hand like, "Damn kid, you almost beat me." Um, uh, Edge spearing him off the top of the ladder. Well, that's that'll I said never outside of the TLC matches. Oh, okay, the, yeah, yeah. outside of the obviously those, but. Uh, uh, that was that Dudley's was not specifically in- him. That was that was everyone involved in the fact that they were just incredible oh, yeah. matches. Parties and Jeff Dudley's Hardy's and TLC matches. But I'm not going to lie. Looking back at so they put together this fantastic video package of his career, and uh, you know even he got a little bit humble and well, a little misty looking at it. It was a really good package, unsurprisingly. And they had Jeff in the ring with some pictures of him throughout his career, and all the the whole roster was out on stage applauding him. Until, as you said, Samoa Joe's music hits and out comes the man to rip Jeff Hardy apart verbally. (laughs) Like we had this really nice feel good segment about how Jeff Hardy had this great long career. It's incredible that you're still somehow alive. Jeff actually had a nice little speech in the ring that was obviously not scripted. He maybe had a couple of bullet points in his head, but he was just kind of going off the cuff and feeling very natural. And it was a really sweet moment. I liked it a lot. But good God, Joe tore him a new one. Uh, there, there might not be God. anybody better in WWE right now on the mic than Samoa Joe. Well, and and the I fact feel comfortable that, saying that. Yeah, and and this could have very easily been quote unquote tasteless because Joe did say, "Hey, yeah, it's a that was a great video package, wasn't it? You must have liked it a lot, considering that you probably didn't remember half of it because you were so messed up on drugs and alcohol." Whoa! The whole audience. What, what's that just, meme of the of the guy going? Oh. <laughs> when he falls out of frame. Oh, that's what I did. So I'm like you. I, I, the 2000s Jeff Hardy post, you know, uh, Hardy Boys T- versus TNA, Dudley. TNA Jeff Hardy. TNA Jeff Hardy, I, I wasn't watching during that Even time. like world champ WWE Jeff Hardy, like I was just like, eh, you know. But I did care. go watch. Um, I have seen on the network that special they have. Is it one of the 365s or yeah, something the, like the that? Yeah, the Hardys ones. Uh, uh, yeah. Just that's heartbreaking. That was really tough to get through. Um, it's incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah and it, it was fantastic. And just to see those guys come back. But yeah, is the story here Jeff or is it Joe or is it a feud? So here's the interesting thing. There's sometimes where they do these, you know, recovering addict angles or guys who are, have had problems angles that I find it tasteless. And there's times where I feel like they did it. They do it right. This is one where I feel like it's acceptable because Jeff has worked through all these things. He's accepted it. He's openly admitted now to having all these problems in the past and that he's worked yeah. beyond it. And the fact that Samojo is bringing it back up, you know, he even, what was the other line where he said, uh, Hey, let's go back and pop some champagne. Oh wait, I probably shouldn't do that around you. Right, Jeff. Oh. Um, and, but here's the thing. Unlike when Jerry Lawler was making fun of Jake, the snake Roberts for having a drinking problem. Uh, unlike other like other substance abuse issue, like what was a hawk jumping off the Titan Tron and all these other substance abuse things where they make fun of people while they're in the midst of it. This is one where Samoa Joe comes across looking like the asshole for bringing it up. Um, and it's, it's legit. He's not, it's, it's, you could argue it's cheap, but I think that they can build a good story out of this, uh, that doesn't feel cringy. 
um, because because Jeff's in the place that he is in now. Yeah. You know, so I, I actually I like this whole bit and it also helps the fact that Samoa Joe is just poetry on the mic. He's just he's and I like the fact that people were coming up to him like Shane was like, dude, what the heck? Shh, quiet. And Joe was like, no, 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 no. get off me. Like it, the, yeah, the whole the whole thing was it it made it feel like some of what Samoa Joe was Joe was doing was inappropriate. Unlike with some of the other things that I referenced, where it was just like, no, the the guy who has the substance problem is the bad guy, you know. So it was, yeah. Well, to, to round this out, this was a 20th anniversary celebration of of Jeff Hardy's career. What what do we think he's got left in the tank? Is he in for the long haul at this point, or is he kind of on the tail end? I, I considering like the history that he and Joe had in TNA, and that's probably why the the stuff that Joe was saying cuts particularly deep. I'd be down to see him and Joe work again. You know, it's like Joe and AJ. They've got history. They can work together. Let's see it. Yeah. Let's see it in WWE. Uh, speaking, speaking of, of AJ, AJ Styles, since, yeah. Since you brought him up at Jinx, you owe me one. Uh, uh, he came out and cut a promo on Daniel Bryan. And, you know, unlike him, I, I, I think he's decent on the stick. I want to be clear about that. Yeah, AJ's he, nothing he, special on the stick. He's nothing special. He's not amazing. He's he's decent. He gets Sometimes the job he's terrible. Done. Sometimes he's terrible on the mic. But this one was this one was pretty good. This is one of the best ones I can remember him giving. The best one of the best promos he's given. It was clear. It was fiery. It was. Uh, it seemed like his head was in the right place. Like he knew where he was going with everything. He never stumbled. Uh, it was a really good promo, and it was essentially saying that you know he and he and Daniel are not done. Um, we got we got more to we got more. Oh yeah. To to do. Um, and he, you know, he basically was saying he wasn't mad about how Brian won the title in terms of like kicking him in the balls, but he was really pissed off that, that Daniel Bryan attacked him afterwards and stomped them down. And that's why he wasn't at survivor series, quote unquote, because he wasn't medically cleared. Has anybody ever been hitting the balls more times in a year than AJ Styles has been? Someone this year? did an AJ Styles like ball hit collection. He's been taking it in the nuts for years. Oh, I did not God. know that. Like he even in, in Japan and TNA, man. I it, this might be on him. Maybe he's the one who's like, then he, all right, all right, I got it. So then at the end of the match, he's going to go low on me. Like, maybe this is him. Maybe. I, <laughs> I want him to so hit I, me if you If you find that video, post it in the Facebook group, because I want to see that. I will, I will. So, uh, yeah, so basically Daniel Bryan and JJ Styles now have a match at TLC as well, which is awesome. Excellent. TLC. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm... I don't know if they announced if it was actually a TLC match, like an actual all of the matches at TLC, a TLC match. Why aren't all of the matches at Hell in a Cell, Hell in a Cell matches? It's one thing I've never quite understood. Well, Hell in a Cell, I'm glad that they're not all Hell in a Cell matches because (laughs) we'd have like three of them. There already is an oversaturation of Hell in a Cell matches, and the, the concept of Hell in a Cell has become so diluted. That if we I just want to hear Vince come out all the time and go, hell in a cell. Well, maybe you do. I do not. Uh, <laughs> so moving on, we had uh, another uh, uh, so we had a tag team match. It was the Usos versus the bar. Apparently, Big Show and the bar had an issue where they were making fun of him for not helping them out in the big turkey match last week. Yeah. And uh, he popped Cesaro in the face and walked away. So the bar comes out without Big Show. I, did well, Big Show the, turn already? The, there was the locker room bit where uh, Sheamus like popped his strap on his on his. That's singlet. what I'm talking about. Yeah, they were well. They, Cesaro, oh, Cesaro what? popped his strap and Big Show oh, popped was. him in the face. <laughs> it knocked him out. Yeah. yeah. So wait, did Big Show just turn again already? 
what the oh this is like a joke yeah uh, he's still turning to uh, i like that they're show, turning into the trope turn, of big show turn, they turn. should just start calling him the big trope the big the big turn yeah <laughs> he's not on anybody's side he's on the big show side now that said i gotta say uh the bar are i'm coming around on the bar a little bit i know I, oh, they haven't been my favorite i know i've had negative things to say about it in the past but i yeah I, I'm, they, I'm coming around they're just they're just a really solid dude you have two fantastic workers on a tag team and yes often they're booked like crap but you put them in a match with good guys they're gonna have a good match this was a good match. This was a good. I know it was. Of course it was. It's the this Usos was arguably a pay-per-view caliber match between these two guys. I th- and I think they could do better. I think that they actually held back in a lot of stuff because it was it was just SmackDown. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that there is a feud we could go into here with the Usos in the bar. I think there's a lot that we could do, especially we don't know what the dynamic is with Big Show right now. You know? Sanity when you need them, right? Well, make, let's make it interesting. And the Usos did beat the champs. It was a non-title match. Uh, and they beat him clean. So I don't know. I don't like the fact that the bar can't seem to win unless they've got help. Like they have been often, as I said, booked poorly. They did lose to a giant and a fourteen-year-old at WrestleMania. Uh, but at, I'll, I'll watch the Usos in the bar wrestle anytime, man. It's it's oh, yeah. it's it's kind of like Ziggler and and Seth. Even if I don't understand why they're they're having a match. It'll be a fun match. Yeah, once the bell rings, who cares? Just enjoy the enjoy the athleticism. Speaking of uh, of fun stuff, the Miz. I love the thing they're doing with him, where he's kind of this delusional. He and Shane McMahon. He thinks that they're a team that together because between the two of them, they won the best in the world trophy. Even though Shane got the final pin, Miz did all the work to get there. So now he's got this thing where he and Shane are a team, and he's calling out people. He called out the entire New Day. Uh. And said, you know, I'll take all of you on because my buddy Shane has my back. And, of course, he goes out and has a match with Kofi and it holds his own. I, I thought he was going to just get whooped up on him. He, looked, he didn't look too bad out there considering it was three on one, essentially. Yeah. But then after getting beat, he, uh, he goes back and, and finds Shane standing next to his garish, ugly trophy and says, Shane, where were you? We're buddies. You're supposed to be on my team. This is our baby, this trophy. And you're not doing your job. What do you think about this dynamic between him and Shane? I hate it. It's really? Stupid. I love I, the, it. My favorite part of this whole match and thing was the antics of the New Day again. Yeah. Uh, like every single time, they just continue to win me over, over and over again. Um, uh, uh, Xavier Woods taking the bump with Francesca 2.0 uh, when he comes flying through the ropes. Uh, when uh, Miz distracted the ref, and, or somebody else distracted the ref, and Miz takes the turnbuckle off, goes to throw Kofi into the the um, the turnbuckle, and Big E stops him by patting it with a stack of pancakes. Yep. I this is such a good time. See, like compared to where you're at on Raw the night before <laughs> with Drake Maverick pissing on Bobby Roode's glorious robe. Yep. This is what you get. I, I'm all in on I'll this. I'll take pancake turnbuckles over P robes any day. And also here's the thing is like for some people they're starting to get this like, oh, New Day's getting a little stale. How like, yeah, okay. As soon as they start getting stale with something, like once we were done with Bootios and the pancakes came along, they're so creative and they keep finding innovative new things to bring to this gimmick. That's why they're still together. Usually they would have been broken up by now, but they still find new entertaining things to do. Like, and they're fantastic in the ring. You can put them with anybody and they're going to have an entertaining match. I, I can't, I, there's not enough superlatives for what I think of New Day. Like, they're, yeah. they are definitely. 
especially considering like if people don't remember if, if you're new to wrestling or if you weren't around when the new day was first formed go back and find some of the episodes of what they initially saddled these guys with and it was bad and at the time at the time by the way remember Kofi Kingston was coming off being a very respected uh upper mid card guy with some reigns on the top of the card intercontinental championship and and US champ and all the rest um Big E also was coming out of of a major singles push uh and was No, not really. He was coming out of being Dolph Ziggler's uh bodyguard, uh, bodyguard alongside AJ Lee. But he but no, he he had a bit of a push there and then nothing really happened. He was IC champ for a while like but nothing really oh, happened with true. him. That's true. That's true. He after after he was separated from Ziggler, he had a bit of a run and then it just kind of fizzled. And then Xavier Woods was no one. He was nothing. He didn't even wrestle with the New Day for the first like six months. He was just their color guy outside, like running his mouth. Their gimmick was awful. They were basically like, like soul preachers. You know what I mean? Like it was almost like a gospel group or something. Like oh, it was, it was terrible. It was borderline <laughs> racist. Like it was, it was the most god awful thing. And they kept tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it. And turning it more and more into, into who they are and what their strengths are, and it evolved into the what whole it is new now. day rocks. The first couple of times you hear them try to do that, and nobody oh. responds. It's crickets in the audience, and nobody gets it. And even I'm, I was sitting. I can remember vividly mm-hmm. these first few weeks, and just I was like, "What are they? Well, doing? they were supposed to be heels <laughs> at, at, at first. It was supposed to be an annoying thing, you know what I mean? But but it was, it was the gimmick was just bad." And and I remember feeling like it was a nation of domination kind of aesthetic, uh, just tailored differently. <laughs> oh, in the know? sense that yes, they were also African American, and yes, they were a faction. Yes, it was a a parody of something that African Americans like they're, that that you culturally would be like a, a a cartoon idea of what would they would culturally be. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and you know, color that with a dash of latent racism. That's what I'm saying. You know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so I was. It was just, awful. I mean, it's a little cringy. It's awful. And yeah. But now but you anyway, can't. You how, can't describe. Where come to? You can't describe Holy what it smokes. is now. You can't describe what it is now outside of who they are as individual personalities. It's their. It's, it's just their personalities writ large. You can't say yeah. it's not as when 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 Vince makes up a gimmick, he will usually make it something that's just really basic. You're a plumber, right? You're okay, Becky Lynch. You're a steampunk chick, right? It's not until they take the reins of their own gimmick that all that crap falls away, and you get what you have with the New Day, which is indescribable to someone who hasn't seen them. How do you describe the New Day to someone who has not watched wrestling? You don't. You can't these days. I'm not even going to try. Anyway, well, we're going down a New Day hole here. Anyway, uh, moving on in SmackDown. Love the New Day. The bottom line. Love the New Day. Yes, absolutely. Nakamura and Rusev were supposed to have a match. Uh, Rusev got beat down by Nakamura before the match. He jumped him before the match. What do you think about having Nakamura and Rusev in a feud where Rusev is now officially a face and Nakamura is officially a heel as opposed to before where the dynamic was a little bit off? Well, I think to be fair with this one in particular and not to go too far down, we have to talk about what went down at Starcade. Yes. Because that's where this came from. Kind of. Uh, yes. Rusev came out to save uh, Rey Mysterio after basically getting murdered by Shinsuke at Star... Jumped and murdered by Shinsuke at Starcade. 
and that was an, and, and Lana came out too, and the you know Rusev and Lana standing tall, just like the old days. And I was like, okay, maybe we're getting back to this. Maybe we're getting things in order, and we're gonna have a feud with Rusev and Nakamura. I can get on board with this. I, I liked that um, we're lining things up the right way. I'm looking forward to talking. We're about not Starcade. trying to do something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah. start talking about Starcade later on in the show. There's a lot of good stuff to talk yeah. about there. I, I'm and I'm down with. And I specifically, like what Rusev came across as at that show, like the way that Rusev yeah. was presented that show, really struck something. Like I, w- I was very, but I want to save that for the Starcade bit. I'm more talking about on SmackDown. Are you excited about there being a feud between Rusev or Nakamura, or are you worried that they're both so cooled off right now that the audience just won't care if they have a feud? No, I think that everybody's cooled off on Nakamura right now because he really hadn't done shit. And I think that other than the, I mean, the AJ thing was like the last kind of relevant thing that he did. But Rusev, I think, is still, if, if what I saw at Starcade, people still love Rusev. But, but Starcade so, is different than SmackDown. And SmackDown, I they could have given a crap about it. But there that. is still a lot of love out there for, for Rusev. Yes. But I, I think there's a lot of, I mean, people were singing the Nakamura song at Starcade too. My worry is that on these, these shows, which as you would call it, the filthy casual shows, if you will, uh, you know, they're not going to get as much of a reaction. Because people just have have been trained now to care less about them. Between the fact that the whole Rusev, Rusev Day gimmick just fizzled and burned out because they they screwed that up, and Nakamura has been cooled way off because they kept him off TV for the last five months. So I'm really worried that this is a feud that I would like to see them do and and would probably be a lot of fun. It's just I think that the the lack of crowd investment is really going to hamstring it. So yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will also see what happens with the Ray Mysterio and Orton feud because there was a right before the end of the show, Orton came out holding Ray Mysterio's mask that he took off of him last week, and he's. I thought this was cool. Yeah, uh, it's typical. Yeah, I, I felt it was typical. Uh, bad guy talking down about a luchador, and you know, you can't be the legend killer without killing some legends. <laughs> so that's yeah. I, I buy into this, you know. Yeah, it's it, it it feels like a retread of the the legend killer gimmick, which is fine as one of Orton's better gimmicks. Um, yeah, why not? And and it, it follows suit just fine with him trying to wipe the face paint off of Jeff Hardy, mm-hmm. take his identity, take the mask off of Rey Mysterio, take yeah. his identity. I, I get the mo, and I, I'm digging it. This is the Randy Orton, the legend killer Randy Orton we've all missed for many many years now, and he's back, so we don't get to complain about it. I, I, I'm I'm happy about him, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Randy Orton works better as a heel for me because I just, from what I understand, he's just a piece of crap in real life. But, <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, and, and also, you know, Mysterio works as a face because he's a really amazing guy in real life, really awesome, you know, sweet guy and very, very giving. Uh, so this feud works for me on multiple levels. Uh, but so I'm curious to see where they go with it. It's not, it's not flipping my wig right now with uh, yeah. Mysterio coming out, attacking Orton, Orton fending him off and beating him up to end this segment. Um, and it, Mysterio has been wearing a neck brace all week because Orton messed him up last week and went for his throat again this week. So, all right, fine. It's a feud. I, th- th- that's where I'm at with it right now. All right. Yeah. It's a feud. Cool. Last but certainly not least, it looks like Lars Sullivan will be coming to SmackDown Live. Is is so? Is this what you expected and or feel like is the I, right place for him to land? I am guessing that based on how they're handling the 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 promos for him on Raw. They mentioned that yeah, Lars Sullivan is coming, 
on SmackDown, they said, what do you think? Do you think he's coming here? It'd be great if he came here. They kind of made more of a nod towards him fit and being a better fit on the blue brand. And I agree. I think he'd do better on SmackDown. I think there's too many big hoss heels on Raw right now, and they need one outside of Samoa Joe over on SmackDown Live. Samoa Joe is also much more cerebral and technical. And I think the way that they've built Samoa Joe as more of a cerebral technical guy, a cerebral assassin, if you will. You can ask Tyson Kidd what he thinks about that. If you will. Ouch, dude. I just caught that. Jesus, man. <laughs> Man, you are brutal. Go back to Nia Jax. Leave Samoa Joe alone. Leave Samoa Joe alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think SmackDown needs a good monster like that. Last time we saw monsters like that, it was the Bludgeon Brothers, and obviously they're out. Who knows how much longer? I think they could use a crazed big beast of a guy like Lars on the show, even if he comes up as a face. Which, I, which based on their promo videos, I don't think he's going to be. But no. <laughs> um, turn the bull loose in the china shop and let just yeah. turn him There's loose. There's a lot more smaller guys on SmackDown, too, so it'll make him look like a bigger deal. As you said, too many big guys on Raw, and Lars, while big, is nowhere near as big as Braun Strowman or Drew McIntyre or Bobby Lashley or any of those guys. So makes more sense to go to SmackDown. That's my, yeah. that's my prediction. Well, that does it for the WWE main roster shows this week, guys. Sorry you had to sit through that Raw segment, but... <laughs> there is plenty more wrestling to happen this week over in the wide world of wrestling. So starting off with NXT, it was shot this week at San Jose State University. It's cool. Uh, which it is cool. The production was a little bit suspect as a result. It took them a while to get the uh, cameras down by the ring not to be blown out. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was it was fun. The sound was a little wonky. But it, it felt more like kind of a gritty little wrestling show. I dug it. Uh, we had some good matches, too. We had it opened up with the tag team of Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan versus The Mighty. NXT just continues to over-deliver. I just want to say that at the top of the show. Just I, I've never been as blown away or happy with a wrestling promotion as I have been for the past two to three years with NXT. Just oh, yep. continue to over-deliver every single week. They're nailing it. They're nailing it on every metric. I have to agree, and and it's not hyperbole to say that. Uh, even this match, I felt like it was one that both teams worked relatively safely. They worked snug, but not like cringily so. But it, they delivered a very creative match. Yeah. I felt like there was a lot of creative spots, creative booking. Uh, this was really entertaining for what I felt they kind of almost treated like a road show. Um, where they didn't really go all out, all out, but I still felt like the crowd would feel like they got their money's worth. I was really impressed by this match. I thought it was a really smartly booked, smartly worked match. I didn't see it coming. Uh, I, I was, but I was pleasantly surprised with it. I was like, when they first announced that it, you know, Oni and uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch came out with their typical one-two thing, and when the Mighty came out behind them, I went, huh. Uh. This could be good, actually. Okay, so yeah. they, they did well, beat both, him down afterwards. So are we going to get a new feud out of this between these two yeah, teams? Yeah, so Birch and Lorcan pick up a, a victory, like kind of a, a squeak victory, and then the Mighty beats them down afterwards. I don't know do. if that was just to establish <laughs> that. The, I don't know if it was to establish that the Mighty are just, you know, shitty heels and get them booze on the way out, or to start a feud. I mean, both of these teams are kind of circling uh, the top of just under the tag team title picture. Yeah. So... I could see this being just kind of an ongoing, like mid-level feud. I wouldn't be mad at it if this if this match was any indication. I could definitely see more. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of more, it was nice to see more of Marcel Barthel. He came out and had a match with EC3, the returning EC3. Uh, basically kind of a showcase to show that EC3 is back. I kind of felt it was another match where I really liked watching Marcel Barthel work. Uh, he's doing the typical like foreign heel thing, but like like slightly, uh, how do I say this? Slightly fascist German? Yeah. Slightly? Uh, a little bit? <laughs> Sorry, Germans, but you're not being. I've, I know many Germans. You're not being represented well. Well, uh, not, well again, not, not Saturday here, morning but, cartoon, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but, it, but, but at the same it, time, it, it's fine. It wasn't. It wasn't so overt that I was rolling my eyes. It was just enough to be fun. Yeah, I thought. I thought. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't straight up like goose stepping around the ring or anything. No, no, no. <laughs> he was just looking. He 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 acted like. Uh, a bad guy in an Indiana Jones film. If you took the uniform off of him, if sure. you know what I mean, sure. all right, just that imperious German attitude. I loved it. I, and he was a great, great worker too. Had a good match, decent match with EC3, who I think is hit and miss. Um, I think but, he looked uh, a lot better than EC3, even though he didn't quite get the win off. But I, I, I thought Marcel looked a lot better. Agreed. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I was you. high on EC3 coming to NXT, but. Ever since I saw him actually work, I haven't been. I mean, he's great on the mic, but that's he's kind fine. of out yeah, he's, there. He's a really good mic worker. His 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 ring work, yeah, has nothing to nothing yeah. to write home about and be excited about for sure. Now the uh, next guy we're going to talk about, whew, oh, he cut a Rocky style video package. We're hold talking on. about Donovan Dijak. Hold on, I know you're excited to get to Dijakovic, yeah, 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 yeah. but a whole, but real quick. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Real quick, I forgot I, about I, this I, part because it's you have we have to say this because I even posted something about it last night. <laughs> Bobby Fish versus EC, EC3 though, I gotta talk about that. It looks like EC3 is going to be going for revenge against Bobby Fish. Is Bobby Fish going to go get singles career now, like now that he's apparently he's not one of the tag te- like he he won the tag team titles, got injured, Roderick Strong replaced him, and now he's going to be the, he's the singles guy instead of Roderick three's, Strong. Three's a crowd, I guess. What do you think uh, about that? Uh, I don't know because I have no bearing and I've not seen Bobby Fish have a singles career and under- have an understanding of what he's good at, what his capabilities are, all that stuff. I all I, The only dynamic I, I've seen of him, full disclosure here, is working with Kyle O'Reilly in Undisputed Era. So right. I, I don't have anything to base that on. I, he's a fantastic, from what I've seen in the tag team stuff, he's a fantastic wrestler So and, and decent on the mic. So I... I've got hope. Is that what's going to happen? I have no idea. I want the big faction of the Undisputed Era to stay the dirty little frat boy yep. club that they are. Yeah, so I, 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 don't, I don't really want that to split up. I apologize to, to who asked the question last week. We, we had a lot of listener questions last week because we did, a, we did an open Thanksgiving listener question. Some, and one, one of you guys, and I'm sorry, I forget, I forget who it was, asked who from NXT is coming to the main roster. And I forgot to say EC3. I think this guy could be pulled up the main roster tomorrow. I mean, I think I think if if he and Fish, if he finishes stuff with Fish, there's not a lot else for him to do. I don't think he's he's going to be champ NXT champ material. I don't even see him as North American champion material. Yeah, but I think that he could easily go up to the main roster and be just kind of a boring mid mid level face and do some good work and and be fine up there. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. I think I think it could be. Immediately, because of just his history and just, and also how he presents himself. Did so. he come out at Royal Rumble earlier this year? I feel like he he might have been one no. of the no, no, but he might 
He might no, but he might. I could see him coming out this year in, in nineteen. Time. Yeah, big time because you wouldn't have to do like the big entrance like Alistair Black. Uh, it's just EC three, boom, and he's here, and he would look like some guy that the uh, the mainstream audience would be like, oh, yeah, totally, he's a wrestler, yeah, he's jacked, yeah, <laughs> he's jacked and and looks weird. Uh, sorry, so you were saying Dijakovic got our a video boy. package, our, our boy, boy. Our, yeah, yet I another. Hate- Yet another PWG alum comes comes to uh, comes to NXT. Just indie alum. I, just, I, I love the I love the Ovich. I sorry. I hate the Ovich, but I love the the I love Dijak. I hate the Ovich. I hate them adding. I don't the want it Dijakovich. to be Chris Dijak. I just Dijak. Dijak. Just, you know. Yeah. I hate to even say his name, but the, one of the things I loved about was Ryback. It's just one name. And he, I wonder and if that's. Hit. I wonder if that's why. Is because it's too close. And it's maybe. Maybe and and Too there's bad. some bad blood that got left behind on his departure and all that stuff. But yeah, Dijak, uh, Donovan Dijak, Chris Dijakovic, whatever it is, this video. I mean NXT just God, they cut some good video packages. Yeah, they're making him look like a like a Rocky like Balboa a kick, almost kickboxer MMA ish killer kind of guy. And I swear it's Ivan Drago. He's got to be related to Ivan Drago somehow. It just they they've got to do kind of an Ivan Drago thing with him. I agree because he's a six foot what you. six six foot seven. A uh, blonde dude, cut like a Greek god who can do backflips over the top rope. I mean, yeah. the guy is freakish. You think he, Charlotte's got a good moonsault? Wait till you see this guy's moonsault. Well, and the fact that he is enormous and does stuff that right. cruiserweights do. So it's going to be really fun. We've, we've obviously seen him have a, a match or two in NXT when they really unleash him. I'm very much looking forward to it. We also saw a bit where Candice LeRae, was, they attempted to interview her as she was walking in. She was sullenly not talking to the press after her loss to Nikki Cross. Candace's hair is starting to go dark, Nick. She, yeah. uh, she's not a, she's not a, a blonde blonde anymore. Starting to, do you think she's following Johnny to the dark side? Oh, of course. We've been saying this for a couple of months now, I think. It was somewhat of a rhetorical question. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hair's going dark, black <laughs> lipstick, black clothes, not talking to anybody. I it's happening. Know. Two yeah. plus two, guys. It's happening. We also had a match between Mia Yim and Vanessa Bourne. My favorite, Vanessa Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it's, I, I, I got to admit, Vanessa is she's getting better. I, I'm she's coming around. Better. Uh, she, it feels like another one. And I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say what no, I'm saying. Don't, I'm don't very excited about Mia Yim. No, uh, what, now I have to know. What were you going to say? She's no, you another one. No, another one. Why, why are you what? bringing a chick out in lingerie? Okay, I don't need to see what? you in, in in a corset and uh, like garter straps and all that kind of crazy stuff. Anyway, oh, it's not that bad. Okay, it's, it's not that bad. I miss it's nowhere I, near I will, as bad as Keebler and Tori Wilson shit from fifteen years ago. But that's exactly yeah, nowhere near that bad. That <laughs> but that being said, that being said, with Vanessa Bourne, I, I, I they changed her music, and that was one of my favorite things about her was her music was great. But anyway, oh well, neither here nor there. She had a match with Mia Yim. Go ahead. Yep. Mia Yim is back in form, looks great. Uh, this was still very, there was a little bit of green in this match from both of them, sure. But I, I think as they work more together, they hang out at the PC a little bit more. Th- these Both of these ladies are just going to continue to approve. You yeah. know? I don't Mia know Yim, she's got, the, she's got the background and the legacy and everything going for her. And I, I think the sky's the limit for her. She's going to end up on the main roster sometime in 2019, I would, I would guess. She's... She's already got the personality in the package. Mia get her Yim or over some of the, Mia Yim. Okay, she, yeah, yeah. Get her, you know, into the WWE style after all the time she's spent on the indies. She's ripe for the main roster. Vanessa, I'm sorry, I think you're gonna be just you're gonna be an NXT for life. 
I, I think uh, I, I actually think the complete opposite. Actually, I think Vanessa Horn will be the one that gets called up. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I, I hate to say that. I trust me. I wish I agreed with you. I, I wish I agreed with you. But I think Vanessa will be the one getting the call up first. No. Mia Yim will be um, perennially NXT, and if she does get called up, they ain't going to have much to do for her. So, um, one thing I had a bit of an issue with in this match, and. I've been trying to research this. I didn't have time to quite get it before the show. So please, everyone, correct me if you like in our Facebook discussion group, uh, Bust a Wide Open Facebook discussion group. Uh, is Mia Yim's finisher Eat Defeat? Because I don't believe it is. I believe that's the name, the original name of the move, but her version of it is called Soul Food, I believe. And they called it Eat Defeat twice in this match. Yeah. And uh, if that was incorrect. I just wanted, I wanted to know so I can sleep at night. Yeah, it, it I is can't neat, sleep at night unless I know. It is a neat defeat, <laughs> uh, the move itself. I don't yes. know. I don't remember what she actually calls it. Soul food sounds right. She was, they were calling I, it soul food all through the Mae Young Classic. I've understood it's been soul food for a while. But, you know, it's a difference between Are there just calling, too many people doing eat defeats right now that they need to call it something else or call it that so people recognize it? I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the difference between... You know, it was like like a, a power bomb and a Batista bomb. Like, what's the difference? Nothing. It's the same thing, but it's right. just it's individualized. So, I don't know. Someone tell me. But uh, speaking of speaking of uh, things that I have issues with with the commentary, we got to get to this next match. Okay. Because this was the reason to watch the show. Yeah. Keith I've Lee. I've been salivating for this for a week <laughs> ever since they announced it. Oh. Keith Lee versus Lars Sullivan. Hoss fight, baby. Big Woo! men, big men doing big men things. Oh, this and a, little man things. There's a lot of meat. There's a lot of meat in this match, Nick. This was a, <laughs> this was a butcher shop. This was this was seven hundred pounds of meat. Yeah, there's some steers <laughs> in this match, man. Oh, there's some beef. There's a beefy, spicy taste. So oh, to yeah. recap and and establish where we were last week, we we talked about this match coming. You prophesized that Keith Lee would go over Lars as Lars yep. would put him over yep. and on his way out. I thought that was the logic behind it. I thought that would be the logical thing to do. And I think I remember going, I don't know. <laughs> I thought, which, I, which I chalked up to you being a Lars mark. And yep. I, am, I am here to apologize. They did actually have Lars go over Keith Lee, and I am flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted. Dog, what is it? Sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then. Yeah. I. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's, here's the thing. It was a very competitive match. I like that it started, it started out fast and hard. It slowed down the middle to kind of give it some breathing room, and then it had a really awesome sequence for the finish. Um, Keith Lee doing his double paintbrush on Lars. Lars busting out uh, the Vader arms, the Vader clubs, clubbing down Keith Lee. He's been uh, doing that recently, though. No, I love it, though. I love it time yeah. I see it. It's, yeah. Dude, give some love to Vader. Give some... Uh, Look at the big man of history and take some of what they do. It's a great idea. Love it. Um, but then, of course, uh, so Keith Lee does the pounce on Lars Sullivan, knocks him to the outside. And then, speaking of big men doing big men things, Keith Lee is not a big man like normal big men because normal big men don't do corkscrew planches to the outside. What? What? <laughs> How is Lars Sullivan alive right now after Keith Lee landed on him? We told y'all. We told y'all about Keith Lee. Y'all yeah. didn't know about Keith Lee. 
<laughs> 300 pounds doing a corkscrew plancha. By the way, Nigel, Nigel McGinnis, it is not a corkscrew senton. A corkscrew senton is when you land with your back or buttocks on the person. A corkscrew plancha is when you land with your chest on the person. I have, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's rare. Uh, Nigel McGinnis has probably forgotten more moves than I've ever even heard of. So it's a rare right. moment where I can, I can have this stand on top of my little shit mountain and go, <laughs> I got you. But I have to take it when I get it. Not to, not, <laughs> right. But that wasn't it because he also did a 300 pound man moonsault. He did a moonsault. He, he didn't land it, but <sighs> well, he landed it's on still his face. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh my it, God. You know, it's fantastic. It's, he didn't land it because Lars Sullivan didn't want to die. I wish Lars would have jumped more on the pounce because that is one of the most beautiful things that Keith Lee does, especially when it's somebody that knows how to take it, yeah. knows how to really fly. But that's a just, scary move because you can get out of control real quick. That's that's yeah. a really small difference between you hit the right place and you fly all the way back to the locker room. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I think it's Keith Lee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Lars doesn't take that right, and he's going to be in a heap in the wrong part of the ring or maybe even outside of the ring. So, but yeah, it was a really good, really fun Haas match. I am surprised that Lars Sullivan ended up picking up the win here. Uh, I mean, that being said, freak accident. I've never seen it done on a guy as big as Keith Lee. It looked good. And he, I mean, he was up over his head with him. Yeah. No, he's really, Jesus Christ. he has learned how to really sell that move. Uh, Lars and, and has. It's, it's just holding it. Yeah. There, that stutter for like a second or two, that, uh, and then it's nothing more than like a fancy uranagi. Yeah, but it, but oh my god, that stall that he does at the top. Yeah, oh, it makes it look devastating, and you do it with a three hundred pound Keith Lee. Yeah, you could tell that what? both guys really put a lot into this match too, which makes sense because given the recent things that have come to light about Lars Sullivan, he was probably really looking forward to putting his hands to a black man. So, um, anyway, Come moving on, on, guys. Just saying. Uh, Lars Sullivan's a racist. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, <laughs> no, no, moving on, moving on, moving I'm on. I'm not denying that he said those things for the record. Yeah. Oh, Lars, it's, it's unfortunate. Why? What is wrong with you? Come on, Jesus Christ, grow up. Two o five live also happened this week to get to get out of that. Oh, get that bad taste out of our mouths. Two o five live happened this week as well. Noam Dar had a match with Mike uh, Ben uh, Canellis, whatever. He had a match with him, beat him before Kalisto interfered with a chair. Obviously, Lucha House Party has had a problem with Mike Kanellis and TJP of recent. Uh, again, more heelish stuff from Lucha House Party breaking rules and what? But they're on their faces. I don't know. But their faces on Raw. Well, I, I don't, don't understand don't, what's happening. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. But they're not heels on Two O Five Live. They're just doing dick no. moves. Ugh, I don't know. We have uh, Mike Bennett uh, Kanellis. And TJP in a tornado tag match next week. Looking forward to seeing what happens there. Uh, Hideo Itami returned, beat up an enhancement guy by the name of Levi Cruz, and uh, exactly it doesn't matter. He works. I think he works for Chikara. Uh, beats him ah. up, but then out comes after seven months on the shelf from an, from an injury. Out comes Aria Davari. What? What? Why? What? Aria Davari comes out to the ring. And uh, stares down Hideo Itami, takes off his glasses, takes off his shirt, and then starts putting the boots to Levi Cruz. Oh, Aria, you're still a heel. So I, I'm, I obviously we now have a bit of a team up between Itami and Davari. I wonder if Itami will be able to get Davari some heat or love or attention or anything, because up until now Davari has, has been 
so uh, like a like a like a sock. Yeah, like a wet Frying, sock. Trying to get foreigner heat for a wet sock. They're 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 moving away from the foreigner heat, that, but that's a problem. Was without it, he's got nothing. Exactly. Even, that was my point. Heat. So Hideo Itami don't need this shit. It, it was the point I was going to get to. Hideo Itami is a t- Hideo Itami, and his his reputation speaks for itself. Uh. But why Arya Davari? I just it doesn't make any sense here. I want to see how where this goes because yeah. I don't know if I'm interested or not. I'm worried. Uh, yeah. One thing I'm not worried about is the top of the card. We had a, a tag match. Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese versus Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. Woo. Great match, as you would imagine. Uh, but the big news is Cedric Lumbarchek pins Buddy Murphy. Hello. Uh, now, obviously, you know, the <laughs> if you watch wrestling, you know that probably means that Cedric's going to lose his next title match down the line. He's just getting that win now to look good in order to get defeated later, but maybe not. 205 has been surprising before. Maybe this is their way of saying Cedric has gotten his head back in the game and is ready to go back to the top of the card and take on the dastardly juggernaut, Buddy Murphy. So mm, I'm not sure. I, I Charlotte representing, I, I love Cedric, but uh, Buddy's hot right now. I, I they agree. can't take that off of him. I agree. I think if anyone, Mustafa Ali, should have the belt, uh, yeah. but he just blew his shot. And if it's not them, buddy, buddy, keep the belt on buddy. He's absolutely, yes, he's a fantastic champ. Um, so yeah, that's, that is two or five live. And uh, well, we've hinted now, at Nick, it a few times throughout the show. Yes. Um, there was an event on this weekend known as Starcade. And for <laughs> those of you that are maybe younger than Ian and myself, <laughs> y'all kitties. Yeah, uh, it, you're, you're cute and adorable. One of the first things I remember watching when it comes to professional wrestling uh, when I was in my single-digit years in the 80s uh, was sitting on my grandfather's lap with the giant satellite dish watching Starcade. Yeah. So I, I can absolutely... I have to say, this whole thing started out with, with Elias. Uh, the fact that they're bringing back one is fantastic. I'm, I'm all for Starcades. Because of some of the things we'll talk about. But Elias kicks things off with a concert. Played a guitar, played a song. It was fantastic. Only to invite out the nature boy himself, Ric Flair. Which I have to admit, I got chill bumps. For all of the things and the reasons that I just described and laid out for you guys, I got legit chills. And I'm kind of getting them again right now, just talking about it all over again. Ric Flair... Dusty Rhodes, those guys were Starcade. Sure. Well, Dusty created it, so yeah. Of course, yeah. of course. But I mean, the the fact that you still have, in 2018, 30-plus years later, Ric Flair is still walking down the ramp at Starcade. Oh, I mean, just... Wasn't for lack look, of trying. Look. Wasn't for lack of, oh. wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, we, we barely had him. Yeah. Thank God we had him, but... Uh, um, but yeah, no, this was a, this was a, a fun moment. And again, if you did see the Starcade, they did, so last year they didn't have it on the network at all. This year, yep. they had an hour-long special cut together from bits and pieces of Starcade that wouldn't ruin kayfabe or ruin upcoming matches. Um, that's on the network. And this, this segment was on that. We'll talk really quickly about what was on it and what was off of it. And we got to roll some other stuff because we're running behind here. But um, uh, yeah, we had an Elias concert with Ric Flair. And then, just when you were getting goosebumps, Nick, who should come out but Nia Jax? They knew I was watching. They knew watching. you were watching. And that, they knew they were going to ruin it Yeah, for and then me. she came out just, and started singing. And it was awful, and it was wonderful. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off because I was imagining there was no- I was imagining you somewhere going no, 
No! If you imagine my head spinning around like Linda Blair yeah. spitting pea soup out. L- uh, just, although Rick, Rick Flair hitting on them was a nice touch. Oh, <laughs> and Elias, Elias having to be like, calm down, Rick. Calm down. Hey, come on, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a, we had a match. Uh, we ended up having a women's match. Bailey, Sasha Banks, Dana Brooke, and Ember Moon uh, versus Nia Jax, Alicia Fox, Tamina, and Mickey James. Alicia ends up tank, uh, tapping out to the bank statement. It was a fun match. It was a fun match. I liked seeing Dana work face. It was, she was really good, actually. I like seeing Dana wrestle, period. Well, I, you know, I don't care what she's working. Uh, she's not the best wrestler in the world, but it's nice to just see her working at all. Um, yeah. There was a few other things on the special itself. We had a Miz TV segment with Shinsuke Nakamura and Rey Mysterio, which uh, there's a lot of name dropping in this show, which is fine. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a nostalgia thing at this point. But, yeah. uh, you know, Nakamura attacked Rey Mysterio, and then Rey and Shinsuke had a match. Uh, Miz ended up attacking Rey, and there was a DQ. But then Rusev and Lana came out, as you said earlier. So we ended up having a tag match. Rusev and Rey Mysterio versus Miz and Shinsuke Nakamura. This, the thing I want to talk about with this was the, the so the production of, of Starcade was strange. The lights were too bright. The gels were too weak. I don't know. The, the sound was really boomy where like the mic, it felt like they had one mic above the stage and the crowd timing of like their reactions was off from the visual. So and then when the commentary would come in, they would sound super clear like they normally do on I TV. I think they but recorded the, over it after. They were using yeah. they were using like shotgun mics on the on the ring or something. I don't yeah. know. It was weird. Um, but it was like, wasn't it like it was it was Michael Cole, Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton on commentary. It was like the worst possible. <laughs> yeah, like Tom Phillips had to be yeah. the heel. It was weird. Um, so yeah, it was, the, so the thing with Rusev, he looked like with all of the, even the, the production values, like the way that it just, it looked and felt the audience reaction, the lighting, everything. I got flashes to like late seventies, early eighties, just strong man, baby faces where ethnicity was part of their act, but it wasn't necessarily, they wouldn't get heel heat for being a foreigner necessarily. You know what I mean? Like Bruno yeah. San Martino was, he would play up the fact that he was Italian, but it wasn't like, you know, pizza, pasta, and a baffanculo you, huh? Like it, was, it wasn't overt and, and racist and heel yeah, heat. Stupid Americans. No, that stuff. it was just, he was Italian, but he was also a physical specimen. And he would come out and the reaction he'd get from the crowd and the way that he would comport himself in the ring made him feel like a big deal. Rusev felt like that here. When he came out yep. and the way he acted, physicality in the match, the way the way that the lights just the white, the, even the way the lights just hit him. I don't know. I don't know how better to put it. Rusev struck me like an old school baby face here, and that was really cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so this also is how we got to Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev for the United States right. Championship. I just wish uh, we could get that was, feeling on Rusev on the main show. Is all I was going to say. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to do that for him, uh, as they've shown shown their hand uh, with regards to Rusev. Uh, last but certainly not least, we also had a cage match out of nowhere against AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. Like, where did this even come? Well, they from? even said like the, the feud continues, and it was it was fine. It was nothing. It was no big deal. Well worked, obviously, Why but very average. They didn't need a cage. Um, the, the, cage the, was, the, the cage was the cage was almost was irrelevant to this match, but. Yeah. There was a bunch of matches that were not on this show because they didn't want to ruin upcoming cards or kayfabe. And one of those... So we're going to ruin them for you now. Correct. Because if you didn't see it, you're not going to know that it existed. Uh, we right. ha- well, it's also interesting to speculate on what they have set up coming for the future by knowing them. So if you don't like spoilers, yes. these aren't really spoilers anyway because it's just a house show. But 
We also had a cage match. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose for the Intercontinental title in the cage, and Seth beat Dean here. It was interesting. We also had Charlotte Flair beating Asuka via pinfall, like straight up just beat her clean, mm. and then cut a promo on Ronda. So Charlotte's still going after Ronda, which she did on SmackDown as well. Uh, we had Baron Corbin uh, doing an open challenge, and who should come out but Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. What? Bray Wyatt came out to, to, to challenge Bra- uh, uh, Baron Corbin. And then, of course, I will admit that after hearing about that, I halfway expected Bray Wyatt to show up on SmackDown. But this then, week, but then, so. or I'm sorry, on, on Monroe. Well, I did too. I thought actually he was going to be the one that answered the, the IC Open Challenge. But uh, Corbin, of course, does his usual thing, restarts the match as a no DQ, ends up being a tr- uh, three on three. Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew McIntyre versus Finn Balor, Elias, and Bray Wyatt. And Wyatt wins again. So, Hello. All right. Uh, we had the bar versus the new day B- uh, bar. Of course, wins the B team beat the revival and drew. Of course they did. Drew McIntyre beat because F the revival. Drew, Mac- drew McIntyre <laughs> defeated Finn Balor because F Finn Balor. So that was Starcade. Uh, but Nick, we got a ton more stuff to get to and not a lot of time. So we're going to have to we're yes. going to have to run. We're going to run here. Uh, NXT UK is ongoing right now. They're doing two episodes a week because they have to get everything ready. Because they announced they are doing a takeover for the NXT UK brand. We're getting an NXT UK Blackpool takeover. Uh, And they've announced some matches. They've announced some matches for it. They got Pete Dunne will be facing Joe Coffey for the UK NXT UK belt. Mustache Mountain, which is Tyler Bate and Trent Seven versus the Grizzled Young Veterans, which is, of course, Shoes Off Zach Gibson and James Drake for the tag belt. And then also this week, if you watched NXT UK, they did actually crown the inaugural NXT UK Women's Champion. Uh, we've unfortunately spoiled on the show before for the tapings, but if you just watched it this week and you didn't hear that, Rhea Ripley beat Tony Storm. Rhea Ripley is your inaugural NXT UK Women's Champion, and she'll be having a rematch with Tony Storm at NXT UK Blackpool. Take her a Blackpool. So good. Um, also, Eddie Dennis and Dave Mastiff in a no, cube, no DQ match. That should be great. It will be on January 9th, I believe. January 9th. Uh, also, if you want to watch this week, Pete Dunne defended his title against Jordan, Jordan Devlin. That was a really good match. So check that out. Nice. Real quick, Mitch, Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox faced off against Ember Moon and Kurt Hawkins. As you would expect, Kurt Hawkins lost. Can I just say I've completely lost interest in this since Braun, both Braun Strowman and AJ Styles, uh, Alexa Bliss have gone out of it, and yeah. AJ Styles. So I just I'm I'm done with it. Well, it, this, it. The experiment's this over. could still be interesting. Uh, so we, uh, Bailey and, and and Finn Balor also beat uh, Mickey James and Bobby Lashley. Shocker! So it looks like we're going to be having Man. Finn Balor uh, and and Bailey versus Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox for the Raw semifinals. So. I think, gee, I wonder who's going to so win So maybe that. Balor and Bailey versus Miz and Asuka. I mean, this could end up being interesting, and it is for the 30th uh, spot in the Royal Rumble. So it is actually, there are some stakes now. So I am looking forward to seeing what happens. I'm personally still looking forward to it. Uh, I liked I liked their way of getting Ember out of it was by, you know, just, just screw her. Just put her with Kurt Hawkins. Some fun yeah. stuff there. Uh, real quick, New Japan update. The World Tag uh, League is still going on. Evil and Sonata still on top with 12 points. They're killing it closely as you would as expect. you would expect closely right. followed by Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano with 10 and the girls of destiny, the current champs, girls of destiny with 10 points and Zack Sabre Jr. And Taichi beating Minoru Suzuki and, uh, and Izuka this week. 
I'm telling you, I, I called think, it last week. Watch out for Zach Saber Jr. and Tai Chi. You might be right. They are looking like like sneak up win, especially because the other guys that looked like they were going on a roll, the best friends, Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T. Chucky e. T, turn on Trent. The best friends are breaking up. <laughs> womp, womp. What, what, what? Chucky e. T, why? Why, Chucky? Why? <laughs> because he's Chucky e. T. That's no, why. No, he's not because he's Chucky e. T. Chucky e. T's a good guy. What is happening? What even is this world? Uh, all right, uh, keep going. We're out of all time. All right, all right. Uh, so we know at the finals that uh, we're going to have uh, Kota Ibushi versus Hiroki Goto. Right now, the rumor is they're looking forward to having a uh, never open weight title match at Wrestle Kingdom 13. Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. He's back. The man who was supposed to have taken the belt off of Taichi a couple of weeks ago. <sighs> now that he's healthy, Ospreay versus Ibushi. I'm in. Sign <sighs> me up. And at Wrestle Kingdom, yes. I'm uh, 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 done. Uh, also in other New Japan news, Excalibur, our boy from PWG. Excalibur has been tapped to commentate the last three nights of the World Tag League. Nice. He, is, he has long wanted to work New Japan. Now he gets the opportunity. This is fantastic. He is a great guy on the mic as a commentator. I, I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Uh, is he going to wear his lucha mask? Of course he is. Uh, <laughs> also, in other announcing news for New Japan, Access TV has amended its deal with New Japan. Now, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis, or whoever else is commentating with him, Kevin Kelly primarily, will be commentating on Access TV. Jim Ross and Josh Barnett are out. Um, given the quality of, of, of the, their commentary, I don't, I'm not surprised by this. Um, I, I, I hate to say it. I do know Josh personally, or I've met him a couple times, and, and he's, a, he's a very cool guy. And I didn't mind his commentary very much, but Jim Ross especially really disappointed me yeah. with the effort he put forward. It, it's been difficult to watch uh, JR's, I don't want to say fall from grace, but fall from grace. It, it's from the from where he came from to where he's landed now. I don't, I don't know if he needs to be doing this anymore. Well, if he's going to do it, he at least has to know the guy's names and not crap on the product. Yeah, because that's yeah. that's how you get fired. True. So, well, that wraps up the uh, the the big wrestling promotions. We got uh, some listener questions this week. Actually, we just have one really quick one that we have time for this week uh, because it was such a good one. Uh, Dominic Jacques asked, on a creative level, do you think it will be better to have NXT be a bigger weekly show and make it part of the quote main roster to have a better balance of the talent? There's so much talent right now lost in an overcrowded staff on NXT, such as Cian Almas, hashtag heartbroken. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Both of the main rosters on Raw and SmackDown feel overcrowded already, and I don't know if doing a full NXT two- to three-hour show every week, kind of breaking it out on some would be the right thing to do. It just feels wrong and dirty, and I don't want it. I don't think NXT needs to be bigger at all, especially considering how much more stuff we're going to be getting. There's already so much wrestling in the week that you can pick and choose from. Uh, if you look at NXT UK, they're also going to try and do all, all other kinds of NXT territory shows. So in a way, NXT will get bigger and some of this talent will get salted out to other promotions. They're already doing it with Evolve, where some of the guys who can't fit on NXT TV go to Evolve. You're eventually going to be able to pick and choose what show you're going to watch based on who you like and who's doing the best show and WWE will be creating competition within its own brands for what people want the most. Uh, obviously they'll still have their biggest shows like raw and SmackDown and the people that are really successful in the smaller brands will get called up there and sink or swim. But uh, I, I think that NXT 
itself, like primary NXT, will probably stay at the same level. I don't think it should get too much bigger than it is right now. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Dominic, for the question. Guys, if you want to get your questions in, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 or more tier, and you can get your questions in for the cost of a cup of coffee every single week uh, for me and Ian to answer right here on the show. Ian, we are running towards the end of the show here. Up against it, we got about two to three minutes for you to go through the lightning round. It's going to be lightning. It's two bags. This is some big news this week. I like the fact that Walter... The man who said he didn't want to go to, to WWE, he got signed to NXT UK. So he, hey, hey, he apparently was uh, offered... Uh, PWG Walter. Right. I, big, big, angry German guy. Yes. Uh, slap the taste out of your mama's mouth, Walter. He turned down a New Japan offer first, but then he officially has signed with... They've been circling since September, apparently. They finally got it worked out. Um, he said he never wants to work Raw or SmackDown because the schedule he doesn't want to move to America. But uh, apparently NXT UK is fine. They offered him a peach of a, of a deal. They are restructuring a lot of their contracts. So he won't be able to work for a lot of uh, brands outside of WWE, but he can still do a lot of indie shows that WWE doesn't consider, quote, direct competition. So I think this oh. is probably the best thing for him, but it does mean that you're going to watch him murder some people on NXT He's UK. off Zach Gibson versus Walter. Uh, oh, my God. No, that's, that's heat versus heat. Uh, he's going to remember his match against uh, Tyler Bate. We're going to see yes. that again. I have no doubt. Oh, Can't okay. wait. Uh, James Ellsworth. I didn't get a chance to do this last week, and I almost didn't get a chance to do it this week. He's in seven sorts of hot water. Uh, he mm, looks like he sent nudes to a 16-year-old girl. Uh, Come on, man. Yeah, he got he got caught sending some lascivious stuff to a minor. Uh, he has vehemently denied it, says that there's all kinds of evidence to show that he is actually, in fact, being blackmailed and people are uh, that this is a setup um, that he's going to release all this evidence. He better have some real concrete evidence because there's some real concrete evidence that he did this. <laughs> it's bad. And he's already had the uh, December 29th show of his Adrenaline Championship Wrestling canceled because uh, superstars like Sonny, Sandman, Joey Ryan, and Gilbert have dropped out because they do not want to be associated with him. Ellsworth is toast. He's toast unless he's got some serious evidence to back this up. We may have seen the last of the chinless wonder. Oh, boy. Uh, Quickly, Kyrie Sane will be off TV for a few weeks. She apparently has contracted hand, foot, and mouth disease. Ugh. Uh, that's no, that's not cool. Um, so hopefully she gets better quickly. Wrestle Kingdom 13, New Japan will stream live on Fight TV. So if you do not have yes. the New Japan network, you can get it on Fight TV. Uh, Edge's mom, other news, Edge's mom passed away on the 27th. Uh, also, Beth Phoenix's dad passed away a few weeks ago, as you, as we all know. Uh, uh, so this is, this is really sad because I don't know if you know, but Edge's mom was a single mom. She worked two jobs to raise him. He never knew his dad, so this is a big deal for him. So, wow! Uh, condolences thoughts, to Edge. Uh, thoughts and condolences out yeah. to Edge. And what a what family. a wonderful guy and, and a wonderful family. And and you know, that's really sucks, um, especially this time of year. So, yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, in lighter news, Elton John canceled a show, and Kevin Owens challenged him to a WrestleMania match. As a result, saying uh, you ruined my wife and my date night. And it doesn't matter. I'll fight you at WrestleMania because I've fought 70-year-old men before and I'll do it again. Kevin which, Owens yes, challenged yes. Elton John to a match at WrestleMania? I'll buy that for a dollar. Holy smokes, dude. Real quick, in XFL news, the team cities have yet to be announced. They will be announced next week. There'll be eight teams in total. That's a big league. 
St. Louis got announced this week. St. Louis will be the first city uh, to get a team. They will be playing in the old Dome in America Center that was the Rams' home before they came here to Los Angeles and became the best team in the NFL. <laughs> uh, the teams will be owned by the league, not by owners, in order to avoid confusion. So mm. XFL, XFL going ahead should be out 2019, 2020, somewhere around there. Nice. Thank you for that, Ian. Uh, Guys, we only got a couple of weeks left of TLC. We are bringing it home. I am looking forward to TLC. It's one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. Good match card so far. Good match card. The card's looking good. Looking good. But we are right around the corner from Wrestle Kingdom 13, first week of January. And then at the end of the month. Card's also looking good. Royal Rumble. Oh, God. We are one month away from the road to WrestleMania. What? Are you kidding me? Here we go again. Heading into 2019. There's some good like stuff on the horizon. Thank God we got yeah. through this raw and we can now move on to some good stuff. Yeah. Let's, let's leave that thing in the dumpster where it where we found it <laughs> and move forward. Guys, uh, that's our show this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, come over to Facebook and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group for lots of lively conversation throughout the week. You can also follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. And if you love this show and want to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of our kick-ass tiers, such as the $5 tier, where you can send in your listener questions every single week and get copies of the show notes. The $10 tier, where we give you bonus episodes every month and much, much more. Also, last but certainly not least, uh, YouTube. We will be back live very soon. The desks are assembled. The gear is being mounted. The sound treatment is happening in the new studio space as we speak. Cameras so, are getting lined up. Ooh, I got to find better lighting because I look, I look like a ghost in these current lights. <laughs> <laughs> but in the event that we do go back live, you're going to want to make sure that you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. So head over to youtube.com slash C slash busted wide open. Be sure to hit that subscribe button along with the little notification bell that lets you know when we go live or upload new videos. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.